And good morning. Ooh, hello. Hello. I always forget that this is you, you guys. Let, we got to bring that back a little bit. Bring it back a little yeah, bit. We I will, bring that I will back do a so. bit. I think on both of our ends. Okay. It's a right. bit too much. We're trying to figure out some sound issues. We're going to have to deal with that. Unfortunately, it's also vacation season. We got, a, we got a tweet on the bat around a few yeah, days ago. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that one. I did see that one, and I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Look, I'm, they look fine to me. That's all I'm saying. I, like, I, I, I look understand. over here. I can tell, though, that we're both a little crisp. We're see, both. I, see, the guy was complaining that everyone was too low. That was the complaint of the tweet. He said. And then I went back and listened, and everything sounded fine. That's I what I thought. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know it, either. I'm, this. Crisp, crisp, not like overwhelming. Well, not, we'll, not overwhelming. We'll get it right. We'll get Just it right. Crisp. We have four days to get this right. So <laughs> that's Zach Goodman. You know him from the bat around. He is in with us for the rest of the week as Griffin is on vacation. Then uh, Griffin and I will switch roles. He'll be back next week, and I'll head out on vacation. So uh, we have reached peak vacation season here on GCR, which is um, normal for July. That's normal the way things that wor- way things work, and we do our best to make sure that we're still giving you shows even though everybody's taking vacations. So appreciate Zach being here. You hear him every Saturday morning with Paul talking baseball. We'll talk a lot of baseball this morning, a little bit of football too, uh, an interesting day yesterday uh, regarding NFL running backs. Coming up on the program today, speaking of that, Ray Rice is going to join us. Um, I don't know if this is the breaking point, but it seemed like yesterday the, the narrative shifted. And with both Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs not getting deals ahead of the deadline for franchise tag players, it led to another of other running backs taking to Twitter and having some things to say. J.K. Dobbins retweeting all of them. As we know, J.K. Dobbins has been frustrated about his circumstances and a lot of think tankery, a lot of, you know, S-posting on Twitter about the running back position. Which, as I've said a few times recently, I have made peace with at some point they're just going to tell a wide receiver you're going to be lining up as a running back on this play. The, the running back position will die, and we're just going to have a bunch of wide receivers, some of which will line up as running backs. That's the way it's going to go at some point in the next 15 years. Now, I don't know exactly when, but it just feels like it's inevitable. And I don't know if we'll, – we'll talk more about it with Ray Rice in a minute. It feels like the death of the running back position is upon us because they're not wrong. This is absurd. You can you can try to defend it and say, well, look, teams are understanding that if you're going to pay your quarterback, you just can't spend any money at the running back position. And I get it, but like for example, the Raiders aren't paying that much money to their quarterback. That's not the problem there. Daniel Jones doesn't make the same amount of money that Lamar Jackson makes. Even the teams that don't have high-level quarterback play are saying – we can't pay running backs either, or we won't pay running backs either. So if the good ones can't get paid, and Jonathan Taylor's tweet I thought was the best of all of them. We'll talk more about it with Ray Rice. We'll, we'll have that conversation then. Also this morning, we'll go to Aberdeen. Max Wagner is going to join us, of course, um, last year, uh, draft pick, early draft pick of the Baltimore Orioles. We will get caught up with him. He's flashed the power. And the on-base percentage is great. The average isn't so great. I, I will be interested in knowing like if he says, yeah, I'm good with that. Like I'm good with it. If I can get power and on-base, I kind of don't care exactly where the average is. I don't, I don't think he wants it to be where it is, but it's just an interesting way that baseball has changed. Like If you're getting on-base at a 400 clip and you're hitting for power, I, I'm going to guess you're pretty comfortable with where you are. Sure, you would rather that number be 260, 270, something like that, but... What's the trade-off here? If you're hitting 270 and getting on base at a 350 clip, 
that sure as hell ain't better than getting on base at a three uh, four hundred clip. We'll talk more about it with Max Wagner later on in the show, and John Mioli from the Baltimore Banner will join us as we will discuss where the Orioles are at pitching wise heading towards the trade deadline, specifically where they're at bullpen wise. Because last night was frustrating. Last night was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach it from two different places. The first is, and I, you can say this is second-guessing, it's not. I don't know what the point of trying to stick Grayson Rodriguez back out there for a sixth inning was. And I said that sitting around the bar last night, or not the bar, but we were out for Monday Night Trivia. <sighs> Second place, very frustrating. We missed the final. <laughs> Where do you go and for uh, the Monday answer. Night Trivia? We play at Cooper's North. Cooper's. Okay. And, I'm uh, actually going there after this for my grandmother's birthday lunch. Well, that sounds That's nice. a weird coincidence. You though. should get the red pepper biscuit. It's delicious. Okay. The red, it's, <laughs> I was it's actually, the red pepper biscuit. because I actually was <laughs> They put a Parmesan about what I was going to order. Like, it's a whole thing. They don't have it on the menu anymore, but the Bang Bang Cauliflower is outstanding. Okay. <laughs> Big fan. That's a name. Okay. Big Bang fan. Bang the, Is this red pepper so bisque still on the menu? The red pepper bisque is part of the uh, summer season. All right. I'm going to get there. that. I don't. They don't spend a dollar with us. The hell am I doing here? Screw that. Um, but I do play trivia there on Mondays. And it I'll, sounds like one of your glory days ads. Like it's very, know, right? very, way similar. too much, way too much, yeah, way does. too much in there for that. Um, anyway, the point of the story is that the moment that the sixth inning started, I said, "Why is Grayson back out there?" And one of my buddies said, "Well, you know, they they got to start ramping him up at some point." And I said, "Why? Like, what? What is the uh, this obsession that we have with take the training wheels off? These guys, what the hell with that?" Is absurd. The dude is going to be at an innings limit. And he's 23 years old. Correct. Yeah, not like Tyler Wells at 29, where we can debate whether or not the innings right. limit should be a hard limit. Like, I still think there is there is a limit to how many innings you can push Tyler Wells to, but I understand the argument of it might not need to be a hard cutoff. We're talking about a 29-year-old. You're talking not only about a 23-year-old, but a 23-year-old who is the single most significant pitcher in your entire organization. Well, look, I think people have fallen into the trap because... You know, for the past two years, more or less every prospect that comes up has been a significant contributor. And I, I don't mean the Taron Vavers of the world, but I mean the, right. uh, of course, the Adley Rushmans of the world. Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser, Jordan right. Westberg. These that. guys have been extremely successful right. in their minor league careers. So people have that same expectation that Grayson Rodriguez, the guy we've heard about for the past five years, is going to be this ace and, and be the game changer of the organization. When he isn't that, people want to push him and expect him to be that. But you know, right they, now, or force it, I, right? Whatever, right. They, whatever they, they want to force it, it is. or they want to replace. Like, and by the way, Mioli wrote about this. We're gonna. It's part of why I wanted to have him on. Like, are you looking at Grayson right now to try to figure out if you need to make a trade? And that to me is an absurd thought process. Grayson Rodriguez, I I don't know what the number will be of the number of innings that he can throw. I don't know internally, and they won't tell us, and I understand that, what ultimately they're willing to let him throw. But I know he's not going to be the guy they experiment with the take the training wheels off because he's too important to this franchise. They're not going to say, well, let's just figure out if he could throw forever and we'll let him throw his arm off. This team is headed towards the playoffs. He's not going to start every fifth day between now and the end of the playoffs. That's an absurd thought process. It's not going to work that way. So I don't know what the point... Where is the line between, and Stan and I talk about this constantly, development, saying we want to be confident in a guy being able to go out there and go through a lineup the third time and get six innings in versus what's best for this team right now, knowing you also have to measure his development 
and the yeah. fact that he's not going to be throwing 200 innings this season. So what's the line there? And to me, the simple thing is, when you already started to see a sign or two of him being shaky last night, there was no reason that he needed to go back out there for the sixth inning. Now, we start with that, for me. That's just, that's just me. The flip side is, they're working with 12 pitchers right now. And that's very difficult. And probably makes you inclined to say, given the fact that we are a bit thinner in our bullpen, we wouldn't mind if maybe we could get one more inning out of our starting pitcher. Right. Because then it's less likely that we got to make another roster move tomorrow. You know how good Nick Vespi was last night? They might have to make a move. I hate that. But, like, this is what happens when you're working with one fewer pitcher and you don't have an off day this week. You do have your A bullpen available tonight, but you might have no choice, but knowing Nick Vespi is not going to be available now for a couple of days, to say, as good as he was, we might have to send him back down to get somebody else here because that's how thin you are pitching-wise. I hope that Tyler Wells can provide them a great start and work deep into a game, and I think they would prefer to try to at least wait a day before they had to do that. But if tonight they've got to go back to the bullpen, then there's no doubt they're going to have to make a roster move tomorrow. So I do think that that probably had something to do with the thought process of putting Grayson Rodriguez back out there for the sixth inning, is to say, look, we only have 12 pitchers right now. We kind of prefer to not have to use as many tonight. None of it forgives Brian Baker for the pitch that he threw 0-2. None of it. I want to make that abundantly clear. None of it forgives 0-2 elevated fastball that's not very good to begin with. Well, wait, did he shake? Did he shake off an off-speed? Oh, I don't even I don't even remember. I don't think he shook. So I, mean, I could have the catch oh, of it. I, whatever. The it's on everybody, though, because the Chris Taylor fouled one straight back. I mean, he was clearly I mean, he he was, was he was on it. He yes, was on he it. He was sitting on Can't it. Can't be in zone 0-2. I mean, Not in that insane. situation. You can't be in the it, zone. You no, can't be in the look, zone. O two, and it can't be the fourth time in a row you're throwing a pitch. For, yes. for what yes. it's worth, it Undone. was not far removed from one that they had put in the dirt that had gotten away from Adley Rutschman, and maybe that's still a thought process in their mind of not wanting to give up a run, putting one in the dirt. But to the point, yes, you at least need to go off. You, it can't be O two elevated fastball like that. Can't be it. That it's it's unthinkable that that is the thought process. To, there. to backtrack quickly, was it John Mioli who asserted that the Orioles are going to give Grayson Rodriguez this two week test, which is probably two starts, we would assume, to see if they need well, to make a gonna, trade? Right now, it wouldn't be two starts. Right now, because they don't have the off day, it I guess be, it's going to be three. It right. would be three starts. Well, to me, that you know that that assertion makes a lot of sense. I can see where he's coming from. And I guess he's going to give us more background on that. Given yeah. that it was John Mioli, correct? Uh, he wrote a column about okay, it. Okay, right. So. Mm-hmm. I think the Orioles saw last night exactly why they have to make a move regardless. Well, but that's that, that's to me, and I'm not trying to, like, John and I, are, I'm not going to fight with John at all. Like, I understand what he's saying. To me, if I'm the Orioles, it's never part of the, the no part of my thought process right. is, um, it could Grayson Rodriguez replace trading for a starter. If you believe that the other guys that you have, Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, Kyle Gibson, the return of... If you're confident in the return of John Means, and you say, my priority is the bullpen, and I'm going to start there, yeah. and if I decide that the starting pitching market is too rich for my blood, I think we can get through. That's a different conversation. Grayson Rodriguez, to me, is not part of that conversation. I, I At some point, Grayson Rodriguez either has to skip a ton of starts, or he's going to have to work out of the bullpen, or he's only going to be available out of the bullpen as you get to the playoffs. There's just no world where he's going to pitch enough innings for him to be an answer 
that can replace what you would acquire, acquire in a starter at the deadline. That's an absurd concept to me. But let me separate these things altogether. The other thing that happened last night in the sixth inning, of course, is what sets the tone is we can say it's a difficult play to make. And I don't want to make it seem like it was simple and routine, but Aaron Hicks has to catch that ball. Like that, there's no getting around that. That's again, it's unfair to say it's routine, but it's not extraordinary either. That's a play that a major league outfielder has to make. Again, I get it. Now things balloon after that, and you had plenty of opportunities to stop the bleeding from there. Yeah. But that's a play that has to be made, and it's part of the frustration and part of the reason why, as I said in my column this week at Press Box, I, I, I understand why in your mind, not yours, Zach, or yours, Carson, but in someone's mind, you know, you're not including names like Cedric Mullins on your untouchable list. Mm-hmm. But the way that I define what untouchable is, is can I get something right now within reason? Because this is when we, we say absurd things like, you're telling me you wouldn't trade Cedric Mullins if somebody offered you Shohei Otani straight up? And <laughs> stop. Just shut up. Untouchable is in the context of deals that can be made. And when you guys say, well, the only untouchables are Rutschman and Henderson and Grayson or whatever it is, the Jackson Holiday, when you say that, that's all well and good. Somebody's got to play center field if you're trading away Cedric Mullins. And the moment that you do it, you've got a worse center fielder. I think that's... And Colton Cowser could be that guy, though. Maybe, but we have not seen that range. Not Cedric Mullins' range from Colton Cowser. We've seen quality center field. He probably plays center field more like Aaron Hicks does than Cedric Mullins. I think that's fair like, to say. What Cedric Mullins brings in his skill set, it's the reason why Santander is on my list as well, because right now, maybe Heston Kerstad and Kobe Mayo will ultimately be the types of power hitters that would replace Anthony Santander. But right now, when you're trying to win, you don't have someone ready to place and replace Anthony Santander's power. So to me, Santander ends up being untouchable. Not untouchable in the offseason, but right now, as you're trying to win this year, and a reasonable trade that can be made, Santander is untouchable. Because you can't replace that with this team. You'd simply be switching it out for something else. It's why, to me, all the pitchers are also untouchable. They're not untouchable in the grand scheme of things. They're untouchable in trying to win right now and what you might do at the deadline. You can't trade Kyle Bradish and say, well, we got another pitcher. You still don't have enough. You need Kyle Bradish and another pitcher. So would you guys rather see Hayes play center field instead of no. Hicks? No, I wouldn't. I think Hayes is on days where Mullins isn't playing. I think he's competent. Like I think he's a. I yeah. think he'd be, he's because Hicks like, doesn't excel, but he's competent. But the truth is, yeah. they need Cedric Mullins back. Oh, right? sure. Like that's the yeah, reality. They need Cedric Mullins back because you all the confidence in the world. Look, Cedric Mullins has not made some catches when he's been on a dead sprint. This, this season, there have been plays where absurdly Cedric Mullins has gotten to a ball and not made the play. But he has not missed a play where he's been there to make the play. Where he's, again, like sure. last night, that's not a dead sprint play. That's a you're there, you see the ball, the ball's there, you don't catch the ball. Cedric Mullins hasn't missed those this season. Looked like he really didn't know where the wall was, to be honest. Um, that might have had something to do with it. certainly appeared to have something to do with and it. And Hicks, like, oh, look, I, I'm not going to bring Yankees Hicks into this because it's, com- it's two completely different you mm-hmm. know, players and situations, but... You know, earlier in the season, there was I remember seeing on Twitter two or three times where Hicks had a couple blunders in center field for the Yankees, like diving at a ball, and right? Then 
bounced, you know, right. five feet in front of him and just different things like that. It's just kind of interesting to think about. So the other part of this argument is how he's playing at the plate and he's over the last 15 games right. slashing it's, it's 188, correct. 310, it, it, it 313. Is dipped, and it sort of seems like he's turning into a pumpkin again. Now, that being said, <laughs> the, it, look, this is a different conversation because then somebody would say, well, hey, if you're finally getting to the point where you feel like you can't carry 12 pitchers, we've all assumed that the move was Frazier or Mateo. Well, now it can't be Frazier because all of a sudden he's right. become this. Decided to start hitting again. So if you don't want it to be Mateo because you find value in his late-inning defense and pinch running – then is there a conversation to be had that, like, hey, the Hicks thing was fun for a couple of weeks, but it's over. You got everything out of it that you were possibly going to get out of it. I think that has to be the conversation. Um, Especially given the fact that, again, Colton Kowser is here and hasn't been playing every day and should be playing every right. day. I think that you'd have to wait for Mullins to be healthy, right? Like, you couldn't make that decision today until sure. you know that Mullins is there. And even still... <sighs> I, I would I would find it tough to do that early and particularly tough to do it over like Mateo, who we now have an extended track record of can't help you at the plate versus to your point Hicks 15 days. So I, I it's tough. I think it's a warranted conversation. I think it goes if you're taking Frazier out of the conversation, I think it's at least worth having the conversation because I do think that at some point, the Orioles can't just keep trying to get away with the 12-pitcher thing. I get what they've been trying to do. I understand that they don't want to make an awkward decision. They don't want to give somebody up. That's not in their DNA. But at some point, they're not going to be able to get by with just 12 pitchers. They, they can't keep it's doing this. It's not possible. This. No. They don't have enough, even as they've gotten more innings of late from starting pitching than we have been used to, as this stockpiles and as you're playing more consecutive games. You don't have an off day until next Thursday. That's your first off day of the second half. Yeah. You're not going to be able to get through that entire stretch with 12 pitchers. There's ju- it would take the most miraculous stretch of pitching, arguably, in modern Orioles history. And it's nothing against Nick Vespi, but guys like Nick Vespi threw two and a third innings last night and I mean. pitched very well for I, the most part. That's the, fr- the frustrating part is Vespi was so good last night that you're like, well, he's got to be in the he's got to be part of the equation. And maybe the answer is that if you think Vespi was good enough, that you option Bauman instead. And I well, look, I, Bauman's been—he was good over the weekend. Like Vespi was certainly good enough, but right. I don't know if he's going to be good enough I, come next time he yes, pitches. The con- That's the question. Where is the confidence coming in Vespi? And right. there's only so many guys that you can option as part of the conversation too. And frankly, you have a guy like Brian Baker who was routinely thrown the sixth or seventh, maybe even eighth inning sometimes this year, uh, who. Really, as Stan said last week on our show, it's a, a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get from that guy, I ever. I don't disagree with that, and he's got options too. And if you wanted to option Brian Baker, I would have no, really no problem with that. Like, I, honest to God, if today you said, hey, we got to get another pitcher up here, somebody's got to go, hey, Vespi looked like he's looked a little more live out of this, and let's just keep him around and option Baker, right, wouldn't be a problem to me. I almost worried that they might brought him back out to pitch another inning last night. It was kind of their way of saying, "Hey, we know he's going back down anyway, so we're just going to use the hell. Let's not. Yeah. Let's just run more one more inning out of him. Before Certainly we could be send the case. Back down. Yeah. Um, it's a frustrating loss. It, I mean, it's a really frustrating. Anytime you have a four nothing lead, it's a very frustrating thing to lose that baseball game. There's no getting around it. It's more frustrating because you lost on one swing of the bat, right? Like you feel like you outplayed and you were good enough, and then in one swing of the bat. Now, in fairness, the offense went to sleep after the Rutschman home run. There was very we only little... Had seven, I mean, we had seven hits. It's right. not there like was, and there was just... After the Rutschman the home run, there was very little threat at all. Like, at all. <laughs> there was very little threat. There was Mount Castle, an infield single, 
after that, late in the game, like there was very little threat at all after Rutschman's home run. So it, it's not to say you didn't deserve to lose that game. I think it would be unfair. It's just frustrating. And what do we take away? Good, bad, indifferent from Grayson Rodriguez? I mean, for a while, he looked really good, right? At the beginning of the game, he looked great. The changeup was the best it's been all yeah. season. That's the best I've seen his changeup, no I, doubt. I would agree with that. And certainly you've seen him do better in, in that start than most of them because he actually got out of the first inning without giving up anything <laughs> right, significant. Right, right, right. That's a huge change for Grayson. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the case. Um, it just happened to be the last inning that he pitched that it went yeah. horribly for him. Yeah, you started to, you started to see in the fifth inning or in the fourth the fourth inning. Yeah, in the fourth inning you started to see a little bit of signs, and then obviously when they brought him back out for the sixth, and that's the frustration of them feeling the need to send him back out there to me for the sixth. I mean, Stan's been saying for two years to us that he thinks they babied Rodriguez throughout the entire process of his development, and I think you see him, once he gets to the fourth and fifth inning, start to feel that not really stretched out kind of fatigue. Um, I, I, I just don't know what... I can't prove that. I'm just saying no, no, that's no, from I'm observation. Not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it might not be correct. What I'm saying is I don't know why you feel the need to try to force something different at the moment. Like, this is... Yeah. I don't know why you think it's a bad thing that Grayson Rodriguez could be a four-inning pitcher. And part of the answer is because you're only carrying 12 pitchers right now. And so what I would say is if you were only going to carry 12 pitchers, then you couldn't afford to bring Grayson Rodriguez up. You can't force Grayson Rodriguez to be something that you have no evidence that he is. I understand desperately wanting, like it was better than Ezra's song, the reference neither <laughs> of you will give, um, I understand desperately wanting Grayson Rodriguez running through the wet glass, uh, falling a step behind most of it. All right, stop. I, I love that song. Um, I understand wanting that, but the reality is you're a team that's competing, and there's nothing about the profile of this player that says this is the best way to use him. Yet. Not yet. And you had the opportunity last night to say, dude, you gave us five really good innings. Thank you. Thank you. That's very helpful. Cole Irvin is now in a bullpen role. We can start the sixth inning with a fresh inning for Cole Irvin because the thing we don't know yet about Cole Irvin is one of the things we talk about is if you acquire a starting pitcher, then somebody can become an impact reliever from that point. But what we don't know is if any of those guys are guys that you trust to put into situations where there's runners on base because they don't do that. So it's easy to say that you're making that guy in, in, in a middle reliever. But like last night, you needed somebody... I'll add one more sort of carrot to this. And this goes back to something I talked about at the beginning of the season. Your leverage spot is not always going to be the 7th or the 8th inning. Or even the ninth. Now, I get it. I've talked to enough relievers over the years that I'm not saying you put Felix Batista in in the 6th inning. But the 6th inning might be where the game is determined. And if you think Yenier Cano is your second most reliable late inning reliever, leverage reliever, and he didn't pitch on Sunday. Why isn't Yenier Cano the guy that's coming in when you're looking for strikeouts with runners on base in the sixth inning? See, I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm not um, sure I do. I, and because then you get you're to the not, eighth, and Brian Baker gives it up. That's how you I, know what I'm saying. I mean, it, somebody else gets to come in with a clean, uh, a clean start to the inning at that point. Yeah, I'm. I'm saying in the sixth inning when you've got a situation where you have runners on base, and it's now a four-two game. In that moment. You might never have an eighth inning, as you didn't last night. 
You never had the opportunity. Yeah, that's because true. Because the leverage spot was the sixth inning. I understand. Closers are a different animal. They're the, you know, we ramp up, we come in in this spot. That's the way it is. Truth be told, in the robot baseball thing, in the Tampa Bay, you know, nothing matters, there is no inning, there is no game. They would say, you just put your best pitcher in its best situation. I don't even buy into that because I've talked to enough people that say the headspace of a closer is just a different world. But Yannir Cano is a guy that you say, you can debate it anymore because he's been shaky as hell of late, but you have trusted in leverage spots. That's your leverage spot. The game was on the line in the sixth inning. You never got the opportunity to get to the eighth inning. You never fired your best bullets as a baseball team last night because you didn't get out of the sixth inning. Now, I'm not, this is not black and white for me any longer because Yenier Cano, frankly, has not been good enough of late for me to have confidence that he's working out of that jam in the sixth inning. Do I think it's more that's likely than Brian Baker? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's more likely than Brian Baker, but that's a low bar. I'll never understand the reluctance to put your best relievers in in the highest leverage situations just because the number of the inning isn't the number of the inning that you want to put them in. Again, it speaks to the need for that sixth inning guy. It speaks to the need for just more leverage, high leverage guys to meet. Sure. I, like, I keep coming back to that. I, I need a closer for the sixth inning, for the eighth inning, and for the ninth inning. Yeah. This goes back to the Andrew Miller thing from years ago. This goes into why it is that we were talking about Josh Hader last week. It I, seems like you're shooting too high. Well, all you really need is a sixth inning guy. No, I need a leverage guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need a guy that I can put in in that spot and I believe can deliver me strikeouts. I don't need another kind of middle reliever that, hey, if it's not high leverage, you know, I can... I can get an inning out of that guy. I need another leverage pitcher. And I think Dylan Tate was that guy last year. He was I would certainly argue. that guy last year. There's Michael no Gibbons could have been that guy this Maybe, year. Maybe. You know, like I, I, I would hope. I mean, that's I what they, they signed so, him for. They definitely thought that he could be that sure. guy. But without those guys, I need leverage guys. I don't need guys. I don't need more arms. I need guys that I can trust. Frankly, I need somebody else's closer is what I need. I need multiple closers on this baseball team. I need to be able to go to a closer when the game is in danger in the sixth inning and then still have my own closer, Felix Batista, for later in the game. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm looking for at the deadline. At the deadline, I'm looking to pry away a bad team's closer. So is your priority 100% get a relief guy over a starter? Always. Not... It's not that black and white, right? Like, that's... I would say that's too... And we had had a conversation about this last week. It's too simplified... It's to me, I think the cost of getting that guy is more realistic to me. Oh, than, undoubtedly, yeah. Than what I think. But that's I, that's where I'm at, personally. I, I, I don't think a starter makes a drastic difference in this team's win-loss column. <sighs> it makes a little bit of one. But a, <sighs> a reliever that can go every two days and give you as solid of innings as Cano and Bautista have this year, and maybe you're not going to get that quality of a guy. Right. But you'll get something maybe in the two or three ERA 
uh, spectrum. That would be a very effective addition to this team. It, it's like a Barlow from Kansas City. Barlow's been definitely on the trade block. Like he, he will get traded. Not, I think Jordan not Hicks us, makes a ton of sense. I think Jordan Hicks is very high on this. I, look, I, yeah, you want strikeouts? I mean that. I, yeah. I, I get that we still have to see the Padres commit to we're out of it. But like, come on, man, they're terrible. They're awful. Pretty, pretty far back. I, I want to have the Josh Hader conversation. <laughs> wow. I really I don't I don't know why we're afraid to have it. I think we're afraid to have it because of the year he had last year. Before he got I mean, to San Diego, he was not. Very have good. you seen him this year? Uh, he's been great. Yeah, I'm like uh, playoffs. Like he's been historically. He's been. He's been, he's been really good. The best he's ever been. No, this he, year. he's been. He's been excellent. I'm just saying that maybe a change of scenery will do the opposite effect and not help him because he really wasn't good in Milwaukee. I think last we year. have far more track record of high level Josh Hader than we have of that. I think that the, uh, that's fair the anomaly is what we saw last year. Okay, like that. We have so much track record of Josh Hader nails in big situations that. I, I think you'd have to investigate, though, what happened to, to cause that anomaly. I, I'm, okay, but I think there's a lot of guys that you would say, hey, they had a bad year somewhere. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I, I, I'm not saying you do no homework on that, but I think that if that would be more concerning to me if he wasn't being, if he wasn't, if he hadn't been brilliant this season. Like, if he had been okay this season, then I'd need to have a deeper conversation. He's been nails this season. He's been awesome on a bad baseball team. No doubt. Like, we're, he has been up for it. And somebody might say, well, that's because he's a pending free agent and he's refocused or whatever it is. Okay, well, he's still going to be a pending free agent if he arrives in Baltimore in a couple of weeks. Like, he still has everything to, to gain by continuing to pitch brilliantly, just the difference of being he's not going to be the closer. But he's going to have every opportunity to pitch in leverage situations because, as we saw last night, they need more guys for leverage situations. That's the spot. I need a second closer because last night I needed to go to Josh Hader in the sixth inning and say, dude, this is your closing time. You're the one that gets us out of this trouble and lets us start another inning with nobody on base and a different pitcher out there. Or you get to go back out there for another inning if that's the way that you feel like you want to do it. But yes, I do think last night screamed what many of us have been talking about. I just don't think when we say middle relief, to me, it's not specifically middle relief. I need leverage. It's just that I'm going to use that leverage in middle inning situations. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today continue along here on a Tuesday edition of GCR. Joining us now, we talked earlier in the program, yesterday really seemed to be kind of a breaking point for NFL running backs. And I'm not sure what it means for the future of the position. Joining us now to talk a little bit more about it, of course, Super Bowl champion, former Ravens running back, he is Ray Rice, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Ray, it's Glenn. It's good to chat with you as always, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Oh, no, I appreciate you having me. How y'all doing? Uh, everything's good, dude. Um, I, what did you sense as you saw this unfold yesterday? You've been watching this for a couple of years now. Um, what did you sense in the frustration that was being shown by NFL running backs yesterday? You know, it's definitely tough because it's like I mean, you go back on history and you just go back on what the position is mean to the, meant to the game. I mean, just losing a former great like Jim Brown, you know, who, you know, the, the running back position in football was like 
was, you know, it was, it was a remark. It's a remarkable position. It's a person that could do multiple things, and I think that, you know, today's version of analytics has, like, you know, has has done something to that. You know, they're not looking at people; they're looking at analytics, and I think that. You know, that plays a lot into why the contracts are looking the way they are. Do you do you sense that, like, when I use the term breaking point, do you sense that we've maybe reached a point of no return with the position at all? That, like, there's just not, that no matter who it is, no matter how good they are, nothing's going to change this. And, you know, mamas don't let your babies grow up to be running backs at this point. It's... Yeah, I think it – I mean, what I'd like to see happen, I think on more on the solution level is just like, all right, I mean, look at the way contracts are structured. It's like, you know, how many guys ever get to the back end of their deal? You know, and I get the value of running backs, but if a guy's drafted high, I understand that guys made a lot of money up front. You know, I think start changing the length of the second contract. Like, why can't the contract be three years with – with some guaranteed money, with, with more guaranteed money in a three-year, man, because you're, you're essentially paying a guy for what he's already done. Right. And you're betting that he can't do it again. And I think that, you know, if you look at the game of odds, yeah, that's where analytics comes in. Well, I think that if you want to take a little bit of analytics and look at people, you short the contracts on the second deal. You know, nobody gets to the back end of their second contract anyway. You know, it's like it's just a figure number. You know, these deals could be – these deals, if you know a guy's value out of the next two years, shoot, pay him for the next two years. Why, why are we extending these five-year, six-year deals on second contracts where you know a guy's not going to – I mean, a guy's, a, a guy's a very fortunate to right. get to the end of that. It, you know, if you value them that much, pay them guaranteed for two years and – See him again in two. Put a value system on it. Ray, Ray, it seems like it's coming at an interesting time because, like, for example, we saw two teams draft running backs in the first round this year. And it seems like, even at a time where it feels like the position is being devalued, and it almost feels like what they're saying is almost announcing, hey, we specifically want to get that running back in the first round because then we can ride five years of contract then maybe even franchise them for one more and then just let them walk. Like, we, we're actually more willing to draft a running back in the first round than we ever were before because we're kind of announcing this is a six-year plan for us and that's the end of it. Like, we're just not going to do another contract. Does it, does it almost require the running backs to now demand to go back to the table as soon as they hit year three? Like, we're, we're not – we can't play this game any longer. We have to hold out year three – Otherwise, we're now confident we're never going to get a contract again. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's something that that's something that could be like I would think makes a lot of sense. But I also know that you know there's a CBA and yeah. you know there's two sides and there's you know you look at it for what it's worth. I mean, it seems like every ten years something like this happens, right? Where you know I remember when I was coming out. And, you know, we had more running backs taken in the first round. Then it came down to why are we drafting a running back that high? You know, I, I had six guys go before me. I was the seventh running back taken in the second round. So it was a value system on the running backs then. 
Right. But then you can go back and look at Jamarcus Russell and say, look at what they did to those contracts, you know, where he got a lot of guaranteed money up front. And, you know, so everything is just a little different now. Ray Rice is with us here on GCR. We're talking about what it feels feels like it's sort of a breaking point with a running back position. Ray, I, here's what I'm – boy, I feel like there is a place now where the guys that still seem to have value, right, the Austin Ecklers of the world, they, they remind us, of course, of what you were so good at once upon a time, which was catching the football out of the backfield and that you couldn't – you know, Christian McCaffrey is is clearly the most extreme example of this – where it's it's difficult to pin someone down and just say they're a running back because the skill set is so much more defined. Are, are, are we getting to a point where it almost has to be inherent at a younger age that you can't just be a between-the-tackles running back anymore, that, like, that, that we have to acknowledge the value is you've got to be someone that can work more outside and line up outside or else you might be phased out of the game entirely? Well, I think there's something to say for that because I think that if we look at the way uh, Taysom Hill got paid in New Orleans, mm-hmm. he got paid as a high – I think he got the first hybrid kind of contract. I think that's correct, what's yeah. his, like, So there's room for that like because if you look at what we're talking about, is Christian McCaffrey not a high player there? I mean, Christian McCaffrey has based been, the, yeah, right, 100%. No, that's, but, but, oh, I'm basing on the production, what I mean, the value to his team and the production, you can't just say he's valued at a running back. Mm-hmm. I think this is what Le'Veon Bell was trying to do, right? And I, it, it kind of spiraled against him a little bit, but if you really look at the way Taysom Hill's contract is structured, he got valued as a hybrid player. He played a little bit of quarterback. He played a little bit of tight end. He plays the – like, is that not what we're talking about? What a guy who can rush for 1,500 yards, but he also can catch for 800 yards mm-hmm. in today's game? That's a hybrid player. And I, feel- I think there's room for a hybrid contract. I feel you know, like I Saquon. I feel like Saquon Barkley would say, "Yeah, but I can do that too." Now, maybe not to the extent of you know of, of you of of Eckler or you know, but I feel like he would say, "I feel like that's the type of 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 ability that I have, and yet I still haven't been treated the same way." Like it, it and no, I think that's why he wants to be valued that way. Right. My uh, point is, there's a lot of money for a hybrid player. Mm-hmm. Like he's not saying, "I'm just a." Listen, he's not. I, I know Saquon personally. He's he's. Let's just say it comes with a system too. Systematically, if you swap Saquon Barkley with Christian McCaffrey, I think we would get the same level of production based on the offensive system hmm. or more. So there's systematic things there too that kind of can play for the player and play against the player. Because, I mean, think about it. I mean, what running back – we changed our systems over the last couple of years, right? You take granted, they were rotating guys, but there wasn't a guy that was a dual, like was doing really the dual purpose stuff that McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara was doing. That was those were great systems, putting them in the right position. Let me let me ask it this way, Ray. 
if you're J.K. Dobbins, what do you do looking at all of this? You, I'm worried. Right. I'm worried. Right. Like I, I, I can't say I can't say I'm a I'm ever I would advocate for the running back to get paid. I want those guys to get paid. Of course. You know, based off of everything. See, the things that already plague us was that they already say the average the average career of a running back is three and a half years and stuff like that. So a lot of things play against you analytically. But I want I I, I hope there's to be more of a value system on who that player is and what he means to your team, what he means to your offense, and then base it off the production. Because they're doing a lot of analytics and then I'm I'm telling you it's just Analytics work sometimes, but they also don't work. You know, it's, it's, those are betting odds there. And I think that, you know, teams that have gone to the analytics, you know, they rely on it. They rely on it heavy. You know, and I, I, don't, I want the running back to get paid. Like, I think that there's – I value the running back. I was a running back. Of course. You know, I, yeah. I coach my son's team. He plays running back. Hmm. You know, and, you know, I don't want that to be something that, you look over the years and that position be kind of faded out. You know, I'm teaching my son that, you know, running back, the leaders on the team, you know, the guy that, you know, sometimes you got to block, sometimes you got to carry out a fake, sometimes you got to run, but your ultimate job, you got to protect the quarterback. You know, so I'm teaching my six-year-old turning seven-year-old the value of a running back, and I just don't want to see that get phased out. I, it's interesting to me that you still like. I, I, it's funny because I might have asked, like, why would you let your son be a running back at this point, right? Like, why wouldn't you shift him over and say maybe it's time to start yeah. lining up out wide <laughs> and trying to see where the big yeah, money but is. I, but I also, you know, it's it, it, his it, my game and his game is totally different. So yeah. he is, you know, based on the skill position, you know, he's learning how to catch. He's learning how to do multiple things. He's like. You know, um, running backs aren't battering rams anymore in the NFL. And I think that we're seeing that. We've seen that over the last couple of years with um, much respect to the player safety. You know, I think that's been one of the great changes in the NFL. You know, just taking a value system on, you know, trying to, you know, you can't stop everything, but they're taking a strong approach on player safety. So I, I was comfortable enough to let my son try running back because I know that, his game and my game were totally different. Ray, if I could, I want to go back to this thought on J.K. Dobbins. He he wants a deal, understandably. Everybody wants a deal. The Ravens appear not inclined to give him a deal at the moment. And looking around at the market where, you know, Dalvin Cook is still unemployed and, you know, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs couldn't get long-term deals. I, I don't know why we would think that something would be different. Like, I, I, I don't think he would really want to be released. I, I just don't think that that would seem feel good at the moment the flip side is somebody would say okay go out put up numbers this year try to you know bust your ass have the best season you possibly can and then try to cash in but as jonathan taylor pointed out yesterday there's there's right like there's there's nothing that suggests that that's going to work out in your favor and there's the risk that you get hurt again which has already been an issue and i think there's been an issue of trust so I, and I mean this, like, honest to God, what do you do if you're J.K. Dobbins with all of that in front of you? Man, I personally think I mean, this, something for, this might be something for the union to step in on. Hmm. I, 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 who else can speak for you in that manner? I, 
You know, when you look at every other position, quarterbacks went up, their tag went up, wide receivers' tag went up. We know what defensive ends get. You know, we know what everybody else is getting. And this is a, this is definitely something that I think that the union has to get involved in. I, I I think that they are it's it's facing crisis at the moment because there is no correct answer. Like I what you just what you're feeling and what I'm feeling right now about like I I, I don't it's know. It's a real gray area because you got to look like I mean as as biased as we could be, right? As biased as we could be about the running back, and I am obviously right. Ultimately a yeah. bias. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm ultimately a bias. I want to see the guys get paid. You know, you want to see the position thrive. You could also look at the business side of things and hear what they're saying. You could legit hear what they're saying. But, like, like at the end of the day, it brings up great argument for discussion. It brings up great points. And I think that, you know, this is – I want to see people get valued as people, not as commodities. Mm-hmm. That's what my thing is. I want to see them get valued – for what they're worth. I don't want to see them, you know, be filet mignon and no disrespect to a McDonald's hamburger, but <laughs> I, I don't want to see them get treated like that. Um, I, I completely understand where you're coming from, Ray. And I, and I don't think it's easy, right? I don't I, like the, the, there is a collective bargaining agreement. The union did what they did and they they, they said, this is the deal that we have. And you know, the owner's going to come back and say, well, this is the, that's this, the cost of it. And yet here's an entire group of players that's saying, yeah, but um, we're kind of getting screwed in this process. We're getting kind of artificially devalued, and I, it's not fair. Um, there's no way of getting around it. Ray Rice, it's it's great to catch up, man. Everything good with you? Oh, uh, no, everything's good, man. Summer, uh, getting ready, getting ready for the season. You know, the season is – football season is always going to be football season for me, like I said. Uh, this is the time of year where you're going to get a lot of – conversations and interesting conversations with training camp and uh but overall i wish everybody uh are healthy i want to see the guys healthy i want to see everybody get paid you know and uh want to see them give back to their community no doubt like, that's what we got to do no doubt it's incredibly important ray appreciate you man thanks for hopping on with us for a couple of minutes let's talk again real soon all right i appreciate it ray rice with us here on gcr and I think the consternation that you heard, like not, I, I can't, when I'm not capable of getting Ray to pin down on something, I understand what he's feeling. What are you saying to J.K. Dobbins right now? The easiest, most brainless thing that we've all continued to say is, dude, you got to show up and play. Like, what are you doing? You're not going to get a deal before then. You're not going to get traded. You're not going to get, you got to show up and play. And I understand that. But what Jonathan Taylor tweeted yesterday, and if you missed it, it's 100% accurate. It doesn't matter anymore what you do. Jonathan Taylor's tweet, one, if you're good enough, they'll find you. Two, if you work hard enough, you'll succeed. If you succeed, three, you boost the organization. And then, doesn't matter, you're a running back. The point that he's making that was retweeted by J.K. Dobbins undoubtedly is felt by J.K. Dobbins. So you tell me, I got to show up and play. I got to show up, bust my ass, have a big season. But the evidence that I have in front of me is that doesn't matter. I show up, I bust my ass, I have a great season, and my reward for it will be what? 
maybe I'll get franchise tagged. If so, I if I don't, I'm not gonna like what the free agent market looks like. If I'm playing devil's advocate for a minute here, though, mm-hmm. I think J.K. Dobbins and I, I I totally understand where he's coming from. I see where Ray's coming from, Jonathan Taylor, all these guys. I think the the problem with what J.K. Dobbins has done and the the way he's approached it is that he's almost blamed it on the Ravens a little bit, and that's always the kind of the the idea I've got from him is that oh the Ravens don't want to pay me, whereas more it's a league wide well, right, thing. It's an NFL thing. I also think that there have been trust issues between J.K. Dobbins and the Ravens because of the I think sur- absolutely because of been. the surgery because the Ravens didn't want him to get the surgery, mm-hmm. and we saw when he came back from the surgery he looked a lot more like J.K. Much Dobbins. Better, sure. Yes, he still was missing that last gear that we had seen before that, but my God, he was still leading the league in yards per carry even without that right. last gear that was missing from J.K. Dobbins. So I think there is a bigger problem in the relationship between J.K. Dobbins and the Ravens related to that surgery that is not that is a bit more unique than what you talk about with yeah. being an entire NFL problem, which undoubtedly I do believe it's an entire NFL problem. Right. Like this running back thing is not just the Ravens. The Ravens are, are maybe the tip of the iceberg because they paid their quarterback, and the moment they paid their quarterback, they might have looked around the room and said, well, this means that we're going to have to go cheap at running back for it. Like, that you have to do accounting once you decide that you're giving your quarterback a certain amount of money. There has to be a, what does this now mean moving forward? And it might be they all looked around the room and said, it doesn't matter how good of a running back we have, we're never going to pay another running back. I think, though, with the Ravens valuing the running game as much as they have, I mean, obviously they led the NFL in 2019, they've been very close to leading the NFL in the the years following Mm -hmm. that, they've clearly valued that position. Obviously, a thousand yards of it every year from Lamar Jackson, but they've signed guys and they've made moves and they've they've paid guys a decent amount of money. But Mark Ingram made good money here. They, it's been a long time since they paid like a like a real contract to a running back. Like Still, they, they a drafted ten, a ten million dollar contract to a running back. It's ha- been a that hasn't long happened, time. But J- J.K. still got drafted fifty fifth overall. I, I mean, understand he was, that he was but, high up. But so. this is the like the odd part about the devaluing of the running back position is what I brought up with the first round picks. Like it's it's almost been that you're more valued in the draft now because we feel like we're going to just grind as much as we can out of you mm-hmm. for whether it's four, five years, right. six years if you're a first-round pick that gets a franchise tag, and then we're going to wash our hands of you at that point. Like That's the way that the position is being treated. The Falcons are willing to spend a first-round pick on a running back. The Lions are willing to spend a first-round pick on a running back. But what and can both those guys do? They can both catch passes. Catch the ball. And, that's a, and like that Tank is, Bigsby, who was a beast right. at Auburn, like as, saw him play in person, monster. Like runs over guys. As, r- as we brought pick. up with, with Ray, there is something different about Chris McCaffrey, no about doubt. Austin Eckler in particular. Those are two guys that still seem as though they're valued at this point. 100%. But Saquon Barkley can certainly catch passes and yet is not getting treated the same way in New York. Now, sure. I get it. He's not like. When Ray says, I think if you took Saquon Barkley and put him in the Christian McCaffrey system, then he'd be just... I don't know. I do think Christian McCaffrey is a more natural outside yeah. player than Saquon Barkley is, but maybe we just haven't seen enough from Saquon Barkley to, to know that he'd be more, uh, more of a high-quality outside pass catcher. To the point, I, I do think the day of the between-the-tackles running back is this is going to be your reality. If you're a between-the-tackles running back, you're going to deal with this. 
You're, so what about you're never going to be valued? What about Cordero Patterson? Where do we? Is well, he, he was a wide receiver, wide receiver, right? running back. Like, but that's what, what, what is I, he at this point? Cordero Patterson to me. Well, now he is a running back, I guess. But he is. I mean, they predominantly a running back. But to the, he's also, by the way, they like him so much they drafted a first running back in the first round, right? <laughs> also and, true, yeah. And drafted yeah. one in the second round last year, right? And when was Algier drafted? He was drafted early last well, year. Might have been third round, but well, that yeah, was round. early, though. Was That's early. my question. When we talk about hybrid guys who can legitimately play wide receiver and running back, Cordero Patterson right. is the best of those guys. Because I, I, I don't. He's, he's more unique, I guess, in that way. Because like, I, he, I wouldn't classify Christian McCaffrey a wide receiver. I, but Christian McCaffrey, they line up more outside than they do your like Saquon Barkley. I guess, like I guess they, so. He he and Eckler definitely get lined up out. And I say definitely, somebody's going to come back with stats that prove it. <laughs> I, I I didn't do it. Let's not pretend like I did a bunch of research on this beforehand. But we see constantly those guys lining up outside. Confidently, their teams say we are going to line you up outside. That's where we want you, and then we can bring you back inside afterwards. And the Steelers, they used to do that with Le'Veon Bell. Constantly. Back in like 20, they, like goal, goal line, they would put yeah. him in the slot, and he'd run yeah. a slant, and they'd Constant. throw it to him. And Kamara is maybe the best example of that. Yeah, with the injuries being the, the kind of the issue um, with him. Sure. I, I, I still... I don't know that you're even those guys are constantly going to be able to get big deals. We'll see, you know what I mean, if that's the case. Yes, there's a separation. It almost feels like if you're going to have to be a running back now, you better damn well be one of those types because that's your only hope yeah. of being valued in the NFL. And I think that's one of the things that we talked about with Dobbins, that the value now in a Munkin offense in comparison to a Roman offense is the hope that they finally give him the chance to show what he can do as a pass catcher. And if that's the case, yeah. then maybe it can elevate his value a little bit more. And that can be the argument for why you go, you bust your ass this year, you play. If you've had that conversation with the franchise, if you've talked to Todd Munkin and you're confident that he is intending to give you that opportunity. Because short of that, I think that falls right back into the Jonathan Taylor trap. Right. And I don't know what this is the other like the skill set on Jacob Dobbins has always screamed he should be a good pass catcher. He's great in space, but we have no track record anywhere. I mean, I say that. Maybe he did it in high school. I don't know. Again, this goes back to I did not do that. But in college, he was not used that way. Right. Ohio State didn't throw him a ton of balls, and then he got to the NFL, and Greg Roman said, we're not going to do that anymore. He was not used as that type of player, right. which doesn't make sense because you see in space, he looks like the type of guy that you want to throw the ball to. He's very Ray Rice. I mean, we the, the guy you just talked to is, right, is certainly but a, we a always similar. Knew, Ray Rice from day one, we always knew was a pass catcher. From sure. college, oh, yeah. everywhere, oh, we yeah. always knew Ray Rice was a pass catcher. And you wanted to throw the ball to him five times a game because of that skill set. We've just literally never seen that and in college, in the NFL, anywhere with J.K. Dobbins. I want to. I want J.K. Dobbins to show up, go through this, and the Ravens to prioritize trying to use him as a pass catcher. Because it's been badly missing from this offense for years. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible to me how long it's been since there's been a reliable pass catcher out of the backfield. So Baltimore. what you're looking for is more of a, a hybrid between a guy like Cordero Patterson and a guy who is just a straight downhill runner, a Mark Ingram type or something. like One, one of those guys. You're looking for someone to kind of do both. I mean, like... I, like Christian McCaffrey does. Like McCaffrey and Eckler's the other name. I guess Eckler's still a little undersized. Ray Rice obviously was undersized. But Eckler still gets between the tackles. Like Th goal line, he'll just run skill through the set line. Wise, sure, yeah. right through the line. Like Eckler to me is the prototype now for someone that can be valued okay. in the NFL. Sure. Like that would be to me the prototypical pass catcher that is capable of handling his business between the tackles. Le'Veon Bell, you know, was that guy, yeah, right? Like definitely. that to me is the prototype.
All right, today's show brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Go there right now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. When we come back in, we'll be joined by Max Wagner from the Aberdeen Ironbirds. We'll check in with him next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the Mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com. Maryland, be open. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one. 800 gambler. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR into hour number two of the program. Still a lot to do on today's show. 
We are going to catch up with John Mioli from the Baltimore Banner, talk about the Orioles and their pitching needs, going towards the deadline, specifically in the bullpen. And uh, Carson's got to pay off his uh, hacks that have been lingering. Uh, One of those bananas in particular looks really bad. Really bad. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that. Joining us right now, it's time for us to make our trip to Aberdeen to chat with a member of the Ironbirds. Our next guest, of course, second-round pick of the Baltimore Orioles a year ago. Uh, We have seen him with the pop this season, and he's getting on base at a really good clip. He is Max Wagner, and he's with us now here on GCR. Max, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's good to catch up again, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, Max, can you hear me okay? Yep, I can hear you. Great. Good to hear you, man. Great to hear your voice. Appreciate you doing this, dude. Um, Max, you just want to start somewhere. Like we were talking about this before the show, baseball has changed and on base percentage is like the name of the game nowadays. And so when somebody looks at your numbers this season and they see you're hitting 240, somebody might say, Oh gosh, that's, that is rough. That is really brutal. But I wonder for you, if you say, no, I'm really happy with being a guy that's, that's hit some home runs that's showing the pop and is getting on base at a really good clip, obviously at 374. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a slow start to the year, so average really uh, really isn't the biggest uh, stat that we look at, um, but OBP is definitely um, a stat that we look at, so I'm really happy with uh, with where I'm at so far and just, you know, got to continue to get those numbers up. What was the focus for you? After your first taste of pro ball a year ago, what was the focus for you during the course of this offseason? Um, just to see more pitches. I know, uh, you know, in college you were, or I was seeing guys, you know, roughly right around 90 miles an hour every day, but now, uh, now in pro ball, it's a little bit higher and, uh, velo. So just getting comfortable with facing velo every day and just being able to hit their secondary pitches. Um, and just really seeing the ball, just drawing walks. Um, that's really what I, uh, pride my game in is just being able to, take pitches, see pitches, and try and get on base for, you know, it's really, I was really lucky that I get to have Jackson, Judd, and Dylan Beavers behind me that can, you know, hit me in yeah, when it's I not get that walk. Not a bad like group, that. right? Not a bad group to have yeah, behind you yeah. in that situation. Maybe it wouldn't have been bad to keep Jackson there forever, right? <laughs> like, make sure that you go with him level to level everywhere he is. Um, Max, it's interesting to me because I feel like it's something that we hear about a lot throughout the Orioles organization is that they're preaching patience. They're preaching. Was it something that like they spent time with you talking about when you got here? Or was it just sort of to you? Hey, I, I always knew this was part of the game that I was going to be looking to improve in. Yeah, I would say it's both. Um, that's always something that I've had on my mind as a hitter. Just, you know, just work your walks, walks are as good as a single, um, but then from an org standpoint, you know, they really um, talked to us right when we got drafted about, you know, swinging at good pitches and pitches that we can do damage with. And then obviously when it gets to two strikes, like then we got to fight a little bit more. Um, but yeah, when, when there's less than two strikes, you know, we want to see a pitch, you know, pretty close to the heart of the plate and just be able to drive it somewhere. So if it's not there, we're, we're usually just taking that pitch and, just waiting to see a better one. So that's kind of something that the org has been telling us to do. All right. Uh, Max Wagner is with us from the Aberdeen Ironbirds here on GCR. 
Max, uh, we saw you a season ago in college crush 27 home runs, right? Like an absolutely absurd number. We've started to see the power this year. I, I, I'm I'm wondering how you have felt about the adjustment. Obviously, it's a different type of bat. It's a different, as you brought up, the level of competition is far different as a pro player. But how are you feeling about how your pop has come along and has translated now into your pro career? Yeah, I think it's uh, been pretty good. You know, obviously you said different bat, obviously using wood. Um, so it's definitely uh, an adjustment to that because obviously you pretty much got to hit a perfect with the wood bat compared to the bats we use in college where you could pretty much hit it wherever on the bat and that's still probably going to find a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's been uh, just just learning, just learning how to get the, the meat part of the bat. Um to the ball and then you know obviously Aberdeen it's got a, a pretty big field especially to yep. um left to right center so it's uh you know being able to drive the gaps there and then hopefully be able to sneak some home runs to the to the corners that's pretty much the uh the forte to hit at Aberdeen but yeah it's been fun uh I, the one thing that maybe I did not know was a significant part of your game and shame on me is the the base running um where did that come from because everything that i saw before was it was never your thing but all of a sudden i look down and you've got 23 stolen bases this season where did that come from yeah i mean i've always been um you know i'm kind of a more built kind of guy um that people really don't see me as being a fast kind of guy but i do have some some sneaky speed apparently um (laughs) <laughs> but uh in spring training you know the orioles they kind of harped on us that you know we need to steal bases we we practice our leads and stuff like that and we we did this uh certain lead in spring training that i really like and i stole some bases um in spring training and then when i uh got to back up some big league games during spring training i actually stole i think two bases there um so that i think i just realize that that's something I can put into my toolbox for my game. Um, and that's exactly what I did. And, you know, it's just choosing the right moments when to go and stuff like that. And I've, obviously I've had a pretty good start to my career stolen base wise. So it's, uh, you're, you're really underselling this. Max. <laughs> like this is nuts. This for, and again, I say this for people that don't know, like in, in college you had like two stolen bases, <laughs> Like this is yeah. this is bonkers. Was there a part of you that like you almost like got addicted to it? Like it was an adrenaline rush. Like, oh, dude, this is cool. I want to keep doing this. Like this is yeah. Th- this is wildly different than what we had seen from you beforehand. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I do have fun stealing bases out there. That's cool. Um, it's just it's just allowing me to be a kid again, in my opinion. Um, just you know, kind of running out there, just having fun. Um, that's kind of what I feel like when I'm when I'm stealing base, and it just you know kind of allows me to kind of have fun with the the pitcher's mind a little bit, and maybe it can make them screw up a little bit when they're pitching to the hitter behind me or something like that. Dude, we've always assumed you a power hitter moving forward, and that type of bat. Like it, we don't. Are you trying to become like a unicorn in baseball, like the guy that's both power hitter and? base stealer which just we it's so rare to see that combination in in baseball over the years 
I mean, wh- whatever helps. Yeah, I mean, I get it, right? To, <laughs> I get it. Just trying to do my best and see what happens. I mean, dude, it's it's wild. Like, it's a wild thing to see in a really cool place when we see what it is that your progression will be. Uh, the Aberdeen Ironbirds are home this weekend. Friday, they got Bowling Green to start a series. Uh, fireworks on Friday night, uh, starting on Saturday. A fun inflatable costume night. Pre-game catch on the field. Post-game kids running the bases on Sunday. All coming up with the Aberdeen Ironbirds this weekend. Get your tickets right now. Great way to spend the weekend. Max, maybe something else. Like, what else are you proud about in in the adjustments that you've made in this first full season of pro ball? Um, I mean, I don't know if a lot of people would say this, but I'm proud that I failed right away, right when I started the year. Okay, tell me about um, that. Yeah, just uh, it was a really rough, um, rough way to start the year. You know, I had a really good spring training, and then came up here, and I think I went over twenty to start the year, which is obviously not how you want to start your first professional um, season, but uh, I'm glad I went through that just to know, you know, like what it feels like and what your mental state was going through um, during that time. And uh, I'm glad I got to experience that right away. Just so, you know, it's not always, I'm I'm not always riding the highs and stuff like that. You know, that obviously it's baseball, like it's going to humble you right away. So just knowing that, you know, even when things are going good, like, it still can, you know, go bad and just knowing how to deal with that and just going about your business the same each and every day, no matter what the result on the field is, just know that you can prepare the same way and feel confident and then just go about your business. Okay. But the real question is, did you like do anything crazy to try to bust out of the slump? Like over the years, we've heard stories about like guys that'll wear, you know, like the, it was the famously the giants had the golden thong right years ago. Yeah. Did, did, <laughs> did you attempt to do anything wild to bust out of the early season slump? Not really. No, not the, not too wild. Okay. Um, you know, maybe it was. Or, or is it that boring. you're not willing to tell us that you were also wearing a golden thong? You would just prefer that people didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. I just, maybe it was ordering a, a different food of some sort or something like that or eating something different maybe, but nothing, nothing wild like that. Okay. All right. That's uh it's a shame you don't have a great story like that because then we would all attempt to do it. We would all attempt to recreate it for years to come. I'm pretty sure for a little while every human in Northern California actually owned a golden thong after they won that World <laughs> Series because of the way that it went. Um Max, the other thing that jumped out at me, you're you've been playing a good bit of second base this season. Um can you talk me through like where that came from? Had had you thought about it? Was it totally from their side and What's that been like for you? I know it's still been primarily third base, but like, what's it been like for you learning or, or just playing more significantly a different position this season? Yeah, um, you know, growing up, I was uh, I was a shortstop growing up, and then got to got to Clemson and was strictly third baseman, um, and then obviously got drafted. And uh, you know, I think the biggest thing to you know getting to where I would like to be at is to being versatile. Um, just you know learning to play different positions, you know, just in case, um, you know, a starter there. Yeah, that's is where your opportunity comes from. Like yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just, just another opportunity. So, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to just be able to play really any position. Um, and second base, obviously I really like playing second base. Um, it's a, a lot different than third base, obviously going from the hot corner to middle infield, you know, you got a little bit more time to, uh, react to the ball um but yeah i really like it um 
and I uh, can see it definitely being a part of my uh, my career, like down down the line. It's cool. That's very very cool. All right. Um, the the difficult part. I'm pretty sure it was FanDuel put out a graphic a couple weeks ago that got everybody hot and bothered. It was like a hypothetical trade. They were shipping you off to Milwaukee so the Orioles could get Corbin Burns. And I know it's that type of year where you got to deal with that stuff. How, how much do you think about it? Are you Do you shut off social media for like the entire month and say, I'm not even going to look? I don't want to know what people are saying. How do you handle that side of the business? Um, You know, it's something that you really don't think about i mean granted obviously it can happen um but you know i just go about my business every day and i'm just playing baseball that's that's not my decision um and uh yeah i just go out there and try to have fun playing baseball and they can they'll do their job for what's best with uh their organization and you just got to go about your business so i don't really do anything you know that's people's people's opinions um, obviously nothing is set in stone until obviously it's made public and you're aware of it. So I don't really make anything of it. Um, I, I saw Matt Corvath said that, uh, he knew you a little bit when he was introduced to Camden Yards last night, a couple of ACC guys. Uh, what, what can you tell us about Mac? He's a great guy. I played a red scout team with him a couple of years ago. Um, we hung out a good bit. Um, and obviously He's from Minnesota. I'm from Wisconsin. I actually never played him growing up, but uh, he went to North Carolina, so I played against him during ACC play. Uh, just a great guy, um, great player, great athlete. So it's I was uh, really excited when I saw his name pop up during the draft, and you know, hopefully one day uh, we can become teammates. That's again. cool. That's cool, man. And then I was on your Instagram, and I saw a picture that you had posted of you and uh, Jackson from that Orange and Black Gives Back uh, event that you guys had done a couple weeks ago. When when you watch that kid, and I know he's moved up since then, but like, is there ever any part of you that's like, how how does it just come so easy to a human? This sport that so humbles everyone, and here's a 19 year old kid that just makes it look like the easiest game that's ever been played. Yeah, it's uh, kind of ridiculous, <laughs> you know, having you know just practicing with him during spring training, and then obviously him when he was with Aberdeen just playing with them every day and you know obviously even when things I guess weren't going his way like he just found a way to just get out and he'd go five for five the next game or something like that like he's the definition of a big leaguer for sure um obviously when uh his dad Matt was around like definitely had to talk with him that's cool just yeah it's it's just really cool to you know honestly to have um, Matt be your dad that's got to be pretty cool to just have that big league experience and just know like what it takes um, but yeah Jackson is he's an unreal kid um, and obviously the, the sky's the limit for him no but that's really neat that like you got that opportunity too to like soak stuff up from you know a, a, a damn a highly successful MLB player right like that that you were able to take advantage of it that's a really cool thing uh, you can follow Max on Instagram at MaxWagner9. And again, the Ironbirds are home this weekend for a series against Bowling Green, so go check them out. Uh, Max, really enjoyed this, man. Uh, looking forward to everything that you're going to be doing moving forward with this uh, system. Appreciate you spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's Max Wagner, the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Um, again, second-round pick of a year ago for the Baltimore Orioles. 
Uh, got off to a bit of a slow start, but has uh, really been then the on base percentage jumps off the page, and the stolen base thing is nuts. Twenty three. 23 stolen bases. For a guy that is generally considered a, a power, power hitter. A power hitter. 100%. Yeah. That's everything about everything about his profile. For those that don't know, Zach is also in baseball scouting. Um, that's his world. Everything about Max Wagner is power hitter. Power hitter, power hitter. That's what he drafted. And so when I, this morning, when we were getting ready to talk to him, I looked down to look at his numbers. I was like, what the? Is, and I swear to God, <laughs> I thought it was like a typo on MLB, MILB's page. I thought maybe that must be like doubles, right? Like there's no way it says SB. Maybe that was supposed to be 2B. I double-checked it at baseball reference because it was that alarming to me. Yeah. And then I looked over his numbers from college. He had never stolen more than two bases in a season. Right, right. Never. Entire career before this was like a total of six. Yeah. And every, I, mean, I mean, everywhere. Yeah, between, every level. Between college, the Cape, anywhere. Right. A total of six. And then 23 stolen bases this season. That is wild, right? And it speaks to the priority of what the Orioles have, have wanted to be as an organization. I was going to say, it's interesting to see how they've molded these guys and which ways they've had them go. You look at, you you mentioned the, the 240 batting average, but also what, the 350, 360 on base percentage? On base 370 percentage, on base yeah. percentage. That seems very consistent with across what, the organization yep. with what they're trying to do. Guys that steal bases, guys that get on base a ton and are, you know, obviously able to steal bases once you get on, don't necessarily have to hit for a high average. It well, doesn't seem it, like a and priority. It's like, it, what we're saying is a walk and a stolen base is just as good as a double. Exactly. Right? That's, that's my like, point. We, we want a double, but a walk and a stolen base will work Seems just like that's fine. the philosophy, but uh, across the whole org. Uh, but Max Wagner becoming a stolen base threat, is, it was not on my bingo card for no. the 2023 season. He is a name that is brought up in that like that that FanDuel sent out a graphic last week. It had Corbin Burns on one side, and it was like Westberg, Hall, Wagner, and somebody else on the <laughs> other side. And Orioles fans were you know sharing it wildly and talking about it. The Brewers don't they are not sending out signals that they really are trying to trade Corbin Burns. And I get it, like it's the NL Central, right? Like yeah. they, they don't want to just say that we're waving the white flag there because. Last time I checked, they were in first place. Yeah. So I mean, and he also was just like absolutely lights he's out. He's been last time way better so. of late, right. way better after a slow start to the season. He's looked a lot more like Corbin Burns, which is why he's very intriguing to me. Yeah. Because he's got another year of team control after this year. But we haven't heard that same thing with Corbin Burns, where he's really desperate to get out. Like he's not tweeting the stuff that no, the no. NFL running backs are tweeting. Right now. <laughs> right. It's, it's not the same. Yeah, thing. it's not the same thing. But we also know that the Brewers, as an organization, have been more inclined to say. Let's try to trade somewhat their highest value, then wait and trade them when we have to trade them. Mm-hmm. So it's what I said yesterday when we were having this conversation. This world in which, like, some people were looking at that tweet and saying, "Well, I'd do it if it was Norby." The Brewers aren't doing that. No. They're they're not. No way. The Brewers are only trading Corbin Burns if they feel like they're getting something in return that is so good value wise. That they can justify the trade-off of, hey, we're a team that is competing this year, but now we're going to take a step back from that. And they also kind of know the dirty little secret. It's, it's, we're not going to win the World Series this year. Like, no. they, they could win the division, but that's in part because it's a awful division. Right. I still think the Reds will have something to say about that as the year continues. Well I know they went into a little bit of a, a funk themselves after that first hot start. I think if Michael Elias calls about Corbin Burns, they're saying immediately, Colton is where we start. And then you can add on... You know, guy or two from there. And if, that's if the, the Orioles said, we'll do 
this is why the Westberg part was intriguing to me, right? Because all of us are sitting back and saying Norby's the guy, right? Norby's the guy that looks like he's he's just never going to have a home here. It's possible. Um, You know, he appears to be major league ready. So we all have sort of made peace with Norby's the guy. Like, make a trade and have it involve Norby. If the Orioles say, we're going to trade, we'll make a trade, but it's got to be from the infield because that's where we have our glut of prospects. And the Brewer said, okay, then it's Westberg. That's the answer. And that, of course, is what FanDuel suggested. Yeah. I'm not ending the call, right? Like, I'm not saying... It's we go back to that term untouchable. Westberg's not in my untouchable category. No. I like Jordan Westberg a lot. I think he can he's gonna be a hell of a baseball player. But I'm not ending a call about Corbin Burns because they said the conversation starts with Jordan Westberg. I'm saying Okay, now now how much more? Right. But, I, I think Colton Kowser kind of rides that line for me. I Where, don't, yeah, I, I mean, because he's definitely not untouchable. No. There's no doubt about no. that. But it's a little bit trickier because you don't have as many pieces coming in the outfield. Now, right. if if you are inclined to keep Hayes, Mullins, Santander around, well, then you don't need to have as many pieces in the outfield. This, this is where the conversation starts to meet. But what are you doing as an organization? Are you committed to any of the previous group staying around long term are you committed to you know doing three more years for mullins tacking three more years on the mullins deal yeah like trying to do a five-year deal now right like are you going to try to keep and santander is the first of the group that comes up like he's net last or next year is his final year of control and then hayes and mullins are both the year after that so if you're not committed to those guys long term, then Colton Kowser's far more important. Yep. If you are committed to at least one or two of those guys, then I would agree with you that Colton Kowser becomes a bit more expendable at that point. Right. And then you're thinking that Enrique Bradfield gets here or, you know, Beavers if he doesn't end up in one of these trades or, you know, you can start talking about other guys that could end up becoming replacements long term. But Kowser's a bit more complicated to me than Westberg is just because like as much as I don't want to part ways with Westberg if you do I'm more confident in the totality of what you have for the coming years I agree with that so yeah and I think that our price tag for trades might be a little different than some other teams because everyone knows how much we have well yeah and it's it's been brought up to me by a few like general manager types that I've talked to which is part of the problem is you've got to then go back and sell it to your organization and if you if you're coming back and saying, well, we got their eighth best prospect, even if that guy would be the second best prospect in another organization, exactly, mm-hmm. it feels on paper like you're losing. Because any and, GM, a GM that reports back to his front office and, right. and says, we tr- I traded, you know, I traded Corbin Burns. Oh, well, did you get Kerstad or Mayo or right. Kowser? No, uh, no, no, he's going to get clowned. Well, it's going to be a tough sell. Yeah. Now, look, it, I don't know the. I don't. I don't know enough about the inner workings of the Brewers organization. It might sure, very well yeah. be that ownership has complete trust, and you know we have faith in that you're getting the right guys. Again, there might have been somebody in Baltimore that would have said last year, "You, you traded Jorge Lopez for what now? Like what? What sure. exactly did you get back?" And then all of a sudden, now today we say, you know, that's what we got back. Yeah, correct. but I think it also goes the opposite way, where the t- other teams have quite a bit of leverage because they see that the Orioles might not 
you know, certainly not win the division, but maybe not make it very far in the playoffs if they don't have that right. sixth or seventh inning guy, or they don't get that number one starter, or whatever it is. Yep. I think other teams have as much leverage as the Orioles are going to have in the way Carson just spoke of it. So I think it goes both ways. I, I don't. I, you're not wrong. Yeah, these other buyers, you know, like the Yankees, the look in the right. Like they right. got Dominguez, Spencer Jones, and that catcher, and that's the Yankees. Their, that's, oh yeah, that's, right. that's their big prospect. The Yankees right don't there. prospect hoard. I mean, they just yeah. don't. No, and the Orioles very have. well could. But I, I don't it's know. also part of the reason why you wouldn't be stunned if the Yankees just threw all those guys together and made a run at Otani. Like, like, yeah, you know, they, and they they very they, well could. I mean, those are three great prospects, but that's. If you're actually if you're a team and you have a legitimate player that you're trying to sell, that's probably the only three guys that you're are really peaking your interest. Did you mention Trey Sweeney? I think no, he I could didn't. possibly be a guy that gets thrown in. I mean, first round pick a few years ago, mm-hmm. high school kid still developing, but you, the Yankees don't have much. They they're not even close to but the they, Orioles. But their 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 mo is whatever we trade, we're just going to sign somebody that replaces that next offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we're we're, we're going to be okay. Yeah, no doubt. We'll, we'll trade them. Because we're going to have somebody else in here next year that's going to, to make right. up for whatever it is that we lost. Um, enjoy the conversation with Mac, Max Wagner. Uh, Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley got together yesterday. And if you missed it, you can find it right now. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the videos tab. You can go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Those are all of the ways you can check it out. Every Monday, Stan and Ross, normally Luke Jackson, but uh, he's on vacation this week, so they're getting together again. Facebook.com slash Sports to talk baseball. All right, when we come back in, John Mioli is going to join us from the Baltimore Banner. We will talk more about some of the Orioles' options. And still to come, that gross-looking banana that's sitting right there by... Oh, God, Zach. I, uh, that gross-looking banana is going to be... I walked in, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, you don't want to know. You don't want to oh, know. Oh, okay. It's, I, a, it's, a, it's not, it's not going to be your problem. It's a Carson problem. Hang on. I don't, I don't eat bananas. Excuse me, Carson. Sorry. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to eat that <laughs> banana. I don't know. It is the grossest looking yeah, banana I'll take, I've seen in some time. Which, which one of the three? Is it the, the yeah, brownest the, one? The yeah, one that I'm right. staring at. But we're not going to do that. One, what, what's on the paper Dude. T- what's on the paper towel? Like, well, Why is it bleeding brown? That, oh, ye- yesterday, Griffin oh. said to me, I need to take these bananas <laughs> off the computer tower. I said, why? He said, so they're not fresh. They're leaking banana juice. <laughs> it's something I like said, that. I said, what? <laughs> they're doing what now? It's better than what you made Jeremy Kahn do. Well, it's better than the cheese sandwich that we ate last week, oh, too. That was God, brutal. that was the grossest thing. You ate thing that, I've too? Yeah. It was the, the Burger so King gross. thing, right? Mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah. So yeah. gross. Um, but it don't look good. We'll deal with it. We'll deal with it all on that's, the way. That's later. Yeah. Glenn Clark Radio. Exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. Weekend starts on the 21st with our Bowie Pit Beef Night. Come on out and grab a bite. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with the Island Luau, a free Bay Sox Hawaiian shirt to the first 750 fans. And it closes on Sunday with Heroes Day. Bay Sox jerseys auctioned off to support local charities. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. 
Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Continuing along on a Tuesday edition of GCR, yes, it, this was a message that I got from Chris. I know I didn't really spend any much any time at all yesterday talking about Carlos Alcaraz. Trust me, I I would like to spend the entire time talking about Carlos Alcaraz. I'd like to talk about nothing other than that. Uh, admittedly, this is not a show that covers tennis. It's just my own passion. It was amazing. I mean that 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 on Sunday was spectacular. And even for those of us, and if you listen to the um, Courts of Thunder podcast with myself and Greg Rosenthal, you would have known that we were on Carlos Alcaraz well before. And as I've said a million times, my biggest tennis bet win was Carlos Alcaraz against Sitsipas at the uh, tw- the day of uh, Paul Valley's wedding. I'm an Alcaraz. I have been a believer. And even I didn't see it happening on grass like that. I thought that was a bridge too far. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. Amazing. Incredible. This dude is going to be, you know, as as good as you can possibly be as long as he stays healthy. So it was an awesome display. It was an epic, legendary, the way that the, the Djokovic-Federer final, obviously famously the Federer-Nadal final, which is thought of as the greatest match of all time, 
the Wimbledon finals have treated us to epic, truly historic moments in tennis, and I thought Sunday was another one of those. And um, Carlos Alcaraz, the, he can do this. The funny part now, everybody assumed his best surface was clay. That's the only surface he hasn't won a slam on now, which is quite ironic. Um, and we'll see what happens at the French Open next year. But, man, and it, maybe if he hadn't started cramping up, he would have been the French Open champion this year. Who knows? It's unreal to see that dude in his rise. Always good to chat with our next guest. Of course, covers the Baltimore Orioles for the Baltimore Banner. He is our friend John Mioli, and he's back with us now here on GCR. John, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up, buddy. Thank you for taking the time for us. Always happy to do it. Um, you and I agree a lot, man. Like we, we, we are very agreeable people, and it's part of the reason I like chatting with you. Which is why it was interesting to me because I, I saw the column that you wrote, and the first thing I thought was, I disagree with John, and I want to talk to him about that. Um, the, the column you wrote this week about Grayson Rodriguez and how it impacted what the Orioles did at the trade deadline, I, all I found myself saying as I read along was, even if Grayson Rodriguez looks great for, for three starts here, with the innings thing being so significant and looming so large, if I'm the Orioles, I can't even measure what Grayson Rodriguez is doing in terms of what I'm willing to do at the trade deadline. Like, I can't even think about it because I have no idea what the plan is for how the Orioles are going to handle the innings thing with Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah, so, so I, think, I think that's valid. I think I viewed, I, 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 and I heard some feedback um, similar to that. I think I viewed it more as like, Grayson Rodriguez being like the stud and mm-hmm. like, are you going to get a guy who is on top of your rotation and like, and, and going to, and, you know, kind of leading the playoff rotation and being that, you know, capital D dude. Now I, um, you know, it's, it's tricky. And I was talking to some of my banner colleagues about, you know, making notes of every time, whether it's Tyler Wells or Grayson Rodriguez or Dean Kramer, Kyle Pradish, any of these guys who are going to pitch more, um, you know, professional innings this year than they have in, in a long time or in their entire career, like making a note of every time the Orioles, whether it's Michael Elias or Brandon Hyde say <laughs> that they have a plan and they're going to make sure that right. they're not just shut down in September. Um, because I think they've said that a lot and, you know, it's something you do take a face value for, but obviously uh, there are pitfalls to that. I always kind of viewed like, you know, Grayson Rodriguez, <clears throat> his innings are probably separate from the rest of the guys, but I just viewed that, you know, the idea of like being able to, I, I guess I'm explaining this badly. My perspective or my, and my view is that they can like, they will not be running into innings limits in October. This is a team that is planning for the playoffs right now. If they're not, um, I don't know what would cause them to, if they aren't already. Um, so, so if they are not planning, to get these guys to October healthy, then they are not doing, uh, then they're not doing like what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so, so when I view it, when I, when I say that, when I, when I wrote that and my kind of perspective on that is like, you only need like a handful of pitchers in October. Like you don't need, we're not going to be running out the, uh, you know, the soft underbelly of the bullpen. You need X amount of guys. You need those guys to be really, really good. And if Grayson Rodriguez is really, really good. And we saw flashes of that last night then that's really helpful, and maybe that changes the equation. That's kind of where I was coming from. I, un- I understand. And it's also funny because like, I wrote about the Wells thing a couple months ago, and the, the biggest pushback I got is, look, he's 29 years old. What are we doing? Like, What are we doing talking about innings with a 29-year-old pitcher? And I've kind of come around on it, right? Like, I have different concerns related to Tyler Wells, some of those you addressed, which is 
he's not been quite as good, and the home run thing was always, even when he was putting up absurd, you know, whip numbers, like, the home run thing was there. I think Tyler Wells has been really good, but I don't know that he's a number one starter. Um, I just don't, I'm not worried quite as much about the innings. I'm, for whatever reason, this is where, with John, I have completely stopped worrying about Kyle Bradish's innings. I have utterly accepted that this is who Kyle Bradish is. He is damn good. He's a bulldog. I, I think he is the guy that like has sneakily proven to be an arguable top of the rotation pitcher of this entire group. Yeah, and, and you know, I was looking at it when I when I wrote that piece. You know, in the last year, he's you know the three something ERA at the one one something WHIP. Um, you know, he doesn't have. You know, I think you kind of group together because somehow they always end up happening like back to back days, like those days, like his best starts and Dean Kramer's best starts are both equally really, really good. It's just that when Kyle Bradish doesn't have it, he grinds through five innings or mm-hmm. pitches into the fifth and gives up like three runs where Dean Kramer doesn't have it and he gives up loads. Yeah. Um, and, and like that's tough. And that, and that's tough. But, you know, I, I agree with you on all those things. I also think that, you know, I would love to, and maybe, and I think this is something I'm trying to dig into. Like I, I do buy the whole, like we're talking about innings with any of these guys, you know, Grayson Rodriguez's five innings are, are high stress innings typically um, because he throws really, really hard and it's a grind for him to put guys away. And then they get, you know, he gets, he builds up his pitch count quickly and sometimes there's traffic and the traffic doesn't go well for him. Whereas the other guys, like I, I kind of accept the idea when the Orioles talk about like, you know, we count high stress innings and low stress innings and those things are different, you know. Tyler Wells does not have a lot of high stress innings. He gives up home runs, but those are That's fair. nobody on base, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 you know, and then it's, and he's still pitching with one out, and the base is empty, and he can go do his thing. You know, Dean Kramer a little less extent. Kyle Bradish, I mean, that, that start this weekend, like those were low stress innings. He was chilling the whole time. He was just cruising, and like they were winning, and it was pretty good. So like, I, I agree with you on Bradish. I think that he's kind of become a very fascinating figure near the top of this rotation. And I think that. And I, and I think that you could look at this group and be like, all right, we'll take a shot. And I think the Orioles, you know, could probably use to upgrade it, but they also might be thinking the same thing. Let me cover this, John, because I feel like there's this theory that's been floated around amongst Orioles fans that it's a bigger priority now. And ironically, after we saw what we saw last night, the bigger priority is bullpen help than it is a starter. But given the sheer innings issue the still kind of unknown that you're dealing with with what Grayson Rodriguez is going to help, is it is it that the bigger issue and the bigger thing they should address at the deadline is bullpen help, or is it still they really could use one more horse to help get them over the finish line innings-wise this season as a starter? I'm, I'm, I'm more in like the get a horse category. Um, you know, this can backfire. We've seen it happen last time this team was good when, you know, they trade for like a, I think Wade Miley was like the late season mm-hmm. trade and all of a sudden they had seven starters and none of them were, you know, capital G good. And like, nobody knew who was pitching on a given day. It was all very unpleasant. I don't imagine that would be recreated um, in the current structure, but you know, it's something to worry about. I think that, I think that having an, another body to soak up those innings, especially given, you know, I don't know who the next, you know, Cole Irvin. Yes. Bruce Zimmerman, yes, he, you know, he's getting chances here and there, but like, is Austin both going to be built back up when he's back from this injury that he has? You know, maybe it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they were trying to do that for the second half, you know, D.L. Hall could show up in Norfolk tomorrow and throw five innings and it'd be like, oh, okay, D.L. Hall's built up, but like, he could also not, who knows? Um, so I think, I think that given all that, you need to, 
you need to protect against the, the, the fact that these guys have pitched a lot and, and, you know, things happen in, in having a high quality depth option, um, who you know you're, what you're going to get from is, is going to be helpful. I think that the bullpen thing is natural. Um, the, you know, the middle part of the bullpen is only a concern when, um, you know, when you need it, <laughs> when you don't need it, it doesn't really matter. And, and I think it's great to upgrade those. I think the Orioles probably went into the season thinking they'd have a better, you know, a deeper bullpen with right. Michael Givens and Dylan Tate. Um, and, and if you can get a reliever cheaply at the deadline, somebody's going to be a free agent anyways for the mid-level prospect. I, I think you do it, but I, I, I wouldn't say that's at the expense of, you know, adding adding some kind of starting depth. I'm in a weird place because I feel like the answer to me isn't. Wait, everybody says we need. We're, by the way, we're chatting with John Mioli of the Baltimore Banner here on GCR. Everybody keeps saying, "Well, you need a middle relief," and I'm like, I don't actually think the answer is middle relief. I think last night showed you exactly what it is. I need another leverage guy. That I need a second closer on this baseball team, right? Like I I keep using Josh Hader's name. Um, I need someone that is nails, it just might be in the sixth inning instead of in the ninth, right? Like, I need someone that I can trust when the game is on the line. And as we saw last night, the game was on the line in the sixth inning. Like, that's the spot where, in hindsight, you could have really used Felix Batista. Now, I get it. You're not going to use your closer that way. But that's why I feel like this team could use a second closer, a guy, because as we see constantly in the playoffs – you're not allowing your starting pitcher to work out of trouble in that spot. Like, I could really use a high, truly high-leverage guy to come in in that situation and clean it up, and there's so few guys on this team that you really trust in leverage spots right now. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I don't remember the specific circumstances of, you know, on base and outs and, and whatever in, in, in that sixth inning, but, you know, the guys we've been talking about, you know, if there's guys in – position you need ground balls like last year that is Dylan Tate's spot mm -hmm. he is out there yep. and he's you know he's throwing five pitches and he's getting two ground balls and Adley Rutschman's giving him a high five um you know Michael Givens it's been a long time since this was his role but you know in those good Orioles bullpens and you know 14 15 16 through that like once he got up you know that was his job you know he came in and he cleaned up the starters mess and sometimes Buck Showalter would put him out there for the next inning and, and things would go a little sideways for Michael Givens. But like that is, those are valuable, valuable options. And you look at where this bullpen is now compared to where it was this time last year, this, you know, Jorge Lopez is closing. He's now a Minnesota twin. Um, so Felix Batista is not available for that. Dylan Tate and Cino Perez were both the options in those spots, depending on what the, what the matchup was going to be, what the, situation was what Brandon Hyde thought they needed at the time he had those kind of guys to get those outs and more often than not they did it just doesn't seem like those kind of options have emerged this year um you know big Mike Bauman guy here um he can't pitch every game um he, and, sometimes he doesn't pitch and to your point and sometimes he, he you know yeah sometimes he doesn't pitch well when he does but he's he's growing and he's developing into that I think there's just not a lot of options otherwise so I think that having some kind of shutdown guy you're right it doesn't have to be you know an eighth inning reliever like you the biggest spot of the game is the sixth inning. You bring him in there. Yep, that's and that's where I am. And I, I get it. I, the team still no one ever does this with their closers, but there's to me in the the Tampa Bay Rays emotionless baseball. Like there's an argument that that's exactly what it should be. Like this is your best leverage reliever. Put them in when the game is on the line and deal with the whatever you have to deal with after that. Um, uh, John, I, we're talking about the twelve like pitcher thing at the moment. And I do wonder to me, like last night, I thought that Grayson Rodriguez, you had an awesome opportunity to say after five innings, dude, you pitched a heck of a five innings, 
and welcome back. High fives all around. You were really helpful. Now let's go from here. And that wasn't second guessing. I said it to people that I was watching the game with last night. Like I, I had no interest knowing that he's going to have an innings limit at some point. I, I don't know. And it just started to make me think, is the 12 pitcher thing the reason why they said, well, we have to put him back out there for a sixth because we can't ask this bullpen to go four innings right now with as thin as it is. How long can they keep getting away with having one fewer pitcher on this team because they don't want to have to make an awkward decision about having to let one of these position players go. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. I think that I, I think that with Gra- like Grayson Rodriguez specifically, like there are you know there are probably a handful of areas where where you could look at his first ten starts in the big leagues and be like, this is something he needs to improve on. I think going out there and and pitching that you know, getting through that six hitting and getting that extra inning, you know, you don't want to force it, but it's something that he probably wants to do. I'm sure he sat around, you know, there were a lot of balls, you know, that left the ballpark while, while he was on the mound and, and those runs are all on him, but there were also a lot of outings that he, you know, ran into trouble late in the outing and, and left two guys on for a reliever and, you know, they got cashed in and, that is something that, you know, I'm sure he wants to be able to be responsible for this for himself. And they kind of, you know, I'm not, this is not informed, but I imagine that if he had a vote, he would say, you know, let me right. do this. Let yeah. me, let me figure out how to get through this. I think the roster thing is valid. I think that, you know, it's hard to pitch. It's hard to play with that many, um, you know, it's hard to game plan with that few, with, with one few fewer pitcher than you'd normally have. Um, especially when one of them is someone like Cole Irvin, who you're probably saving for a longer spot. You know, it's not really an option right there. So it's, it, it's a challenge. I think that, you know, these are the types of things that happen when you have, you know, a pretty inflexible roster. I, I, I don't know that the decisions that they're putting off making are as hard as putting them off would indicate they are, but that's kind of where they're at. And I'm sure once, you know, once they are healthy in the way that they want to be with Cedric Mullins back in there, um, they, they might make be able to pull that trigger a little more comfortably. All right, John Mioli, the last this 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 is the the million dollar question, right? It's the Orioles approach the deadline to you. This untouchable conversation that everybody's been having. Who's untouchable to you within the system? Um, I think it's Jackson Holiday, and I think it's Grayson Rodriguez, and. In the minors, that's it. Um, I think you could probably make a case for somebody, you know, a Jordan Westberg or a Colton Kowser if a team really, really likes them. Um, you know, you swallow hard if you're making the upgrade. Yep. I think that Heston Kerstad and Kobe Mayo are both fantastic talents. Um, they have traits that the Orioles really, really desire, and I think Kobe Mayo specifically is like, you know, he's basically doing what Connor Henderson did last year, but just to, to, to less fanfare um, because he's like six months older, I guess. I don't really understand why but the reality is he could be you know i i mean i don't know i i you know it seems like he is doing all those things that they expected him to do and it's and it's great um and you wonder where he's going to play and how quickly he's going to be doing he's going to to be there and i but i don't know that that's untouchable i mean if you're going to get something really really good you got to give up something really really good and i think those two players are you know jackson holiday is on a level of his own and if you're not on that level um, you know, you can't make your top five prospects untouchable. You can't make your top seven prospects untouchable unless you just want to be, you know, in the 
into Dan Duquette, you know, trading for a guy with a five something ERA. Right. Yeah. You know, you're never, you're realm, never going to get, right. You're never going to get the guy you really need. Well, he did get Andrew Miller. He did trade Eduardo Rodriguez for Andrew Miller. I'll give him credit for that. And, and that was, and that was, you know, and I was thinking about that trade because, you know, and as we're talking about like the big high, like high caliber guys, you know, who were on the market, like, thank God he didn't ask me about Shohei Otani, but like Ugh. part of the reason you made that trade was because, the alternative was that they would be facing Andrew Miller in the playoffs. Sure, and, sure. and, and they said, you know what, we're doing this. I think it was actually Detroit. That was, that was going to make that deal. Um, ironically that Eduardo Rodriguez is hmm. now there. Hmm. Um, and Andrew Miller had come from there with Boston, but you know, Andrew Miller was pitching against Detroit for the Orioles in the playoffs. And that was, um, and it could have been the alternative. And I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm making this up. This sounds relatively real to me, no, I think that's um, right. but, yeah. but, yeah, so so you know, I I think that you know if you really really feel like you need to need to get a guy, you're going to have to give up a guy. And I think that you know we're talking about really really talented young players, and and Jackson Holiday is a cut above them, and that's kind of where I draw the line. Right. No, you're not doing it with Jackson Holiday, obviously. But to your point, right? Like you have to make awkward decisions sometimes, and there was a reason why when Detroit went to their bullpen in Game Two of the ALDS, we didn't know how it was going to happen, but I think every single one of us in that stadium said. Yep, this is about the turn. This is about the turn because their bullpen stunk. Stunk yeah. in 2014. Uh, at John Mioli on Twitter is how you follow on Baltimore Banner. Um, check him out there, of course. Anything else I can plug for you, my friend? Not really. You know, just writing away. Um, get back to the minor soon. Got some ideas percolating. You know, the big league team is, is doing things. You know, just writing Ooh. about the O's. We were anything, just... Anything. Anything that strikes my fancy. Dude, we, we were just talking to Max Wagner a minute ago. I had no idea he had 23 stolen bases this season. That's insanity. Yeah. Like, where in the world does that player. come from? Yes. Interesting player. It's fascinating. Always appreciate you, bro. Thanks for taking a couple minutes this morning. Let's talk again real soon, all right? It's... Sounds good. Have a good one. Thanks, buddy. John Mioli of the Baltimore Banner with us here on GCR. Um, you know, yeah, give Dan Duquette credit. That was the that was a bold trade. It required giving up somebody that was you you had reason to believe was going to succeed. Now I don't think that we knew Eduardo Rodriguez was going to turn into, you know, this. But I think we had every reason to believe that Eduardo Rodriguez was going to succeed and it required making a bold move in order to go get that guy. And I've said, look, if I don't like giving up someone with the talent of a Connor Norby for a rental piece. I don't like the idea of a rental piece. But if you've accepted that Connor Norby doesn't have a place here and Connor Norby can help you get a Lucas Giolito, let's talk. Like, let's have that conversation. I would rather it be someone with control. I would rather that be the case, but I don't know that you can get the guy with control. Also, I don't even know who with control is really going to end up on the market. Bieber? You know, like that might be the... I don't see that happening. I would... I... It could. It could. It's the same feel, way that I feel about Like I felt more likely that Burns was going to be on the market three weeks ago yeah. than I feel today. Well, I don't feel very confident about Mitch Keller either. And well, that's I a guy I that... I, I, th- I think getting I Mitch think Keller would require yeah. you giving up Jackson Holiday and then some. Like Probably. That's, yeah. th- that's the reality of but what I, it is I, that you're getting. I think there is a team that more you know, probably more in the line of the Yankees and the Dodgers that would actually line up their their best prospects and sell just about anything to get a guy to like get Mitch Keller, Mitch Keller 100%. Yeah. But I, the Pirates being where they are and they're better than expected, they've slid a bit a little oh, bit. Oh, I think lately, they're looking but, at like next year and saying we think there's a roadmap right. to us being relevant next year. It's not this year, but next no, year there not, is not this year. In that division, it is easy to win, incredibly. 
it's if you project the Reds now with Encarnacion Strand being up, like if you project the Reds to take even a step further next year, you yeah. could see a scenario by which the Reds separate themselves in that division. I don't know, but I, but yes, there's still enough questions about that that I'm not I'm not banking on it. I think there is a world in which they could separate themselves. Did you see that he's just Encarnacion? Yeah, that was I know all the uh, the uniform people were really bummed about yeah, that because he he was going to have the longest uniform name in <laughs> baseball history. Yeah, it was going to be like that disappointing. We haven't had one like that since like. Saltalamachia, you know. Well, there was somebody else recently that had a hyphen name. Oh, D. D Strange Gordon. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, like, yeah. When he changed on the Nets. Yeah, sure. When he changed from Gordon to Strange Gordon, but he put, like, both names are on the back of the jersey. What was the reason for that again? I don't I, remember. I never really caught the reason for that. I never. I don't remember I don't what the know. story was. Um, but yes, all the jersey, like, all the people that lose their minds about jersey, that Paul Lucas is the world, the UniWatch Twitter, um, were, were freaking out about the possibility of Encarnacion Strand having a jersey where the, the, the letters would literally start, like, Right above his belt, yeah. and and complete all the way back to the belt, uh, but not the case. Is they're only doing Encarnacion on the back of the jersey. All right, uh, can you pull up that uh, that open for me? For uh, uh, I sure can. Yeah, Give me one second, here. All right, it's it's, uh, it's time that we do the dirty work this morning here on GCR, and boy, does it look dirty. Mm-hmm. He's a banana juice. Yeah, he's hacking light. It's Carson's a hack. Carson's a hack is brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. You can read it all at PressboxOnline.com. It's a very special issue as we celebrate the life and legacy of the great Tony Siragusa. Um, one of my favorite issues that we've done, certainly one of my favorite cover stories that we've done, and it's been one of the most popular uh issues that we've had in years as it has flown off of shelves and as Stan told us last week we're at the point now where like if you go to your neighborhood Royal Farms and it's gone it might not be getting refilled that's how popular this issue has been so I would go get your hands on it right now before you lose that opportunity who'd you guys have play guitar for this <laughs> uh, uh you're never it's Eric Clapton unbelievable <laughs> oh <laughs> obviously they pay like five dollars for <laughs> yeah Eric Clapton five dollars sounds about right uh, I have no idea where Griffin Griffin made this one. So oh, Griffin now, made now this I'm one. actually nervous about it. Like I hope that he didn't <laughs> rip off. We never actually had a conversation about where we can. Use uh, who voiced it? Is, it? is that Griffin's voice? Somebody or? from the radio station, actually. I oh, don't remember okay. who it was, right. but uh, somebody from the radio station voiced that one. All right, um, it is time for Carson's a hack, and this one is a little bit different because we're actually just cleaning up previous hackery. Some, some restitution. As you remember, last Tuesday. Or do you want to? Where do you want to start with this? Do you want to start with the banana and then go to the cereal? Or do you want to do the cereal and then the banana? Let's do the cereal Cereal first. first. All right. Last Tuesday, Carson came in here and said, I've got a life hack for you this week. And I said, great. He said, if you fold your cereal box differently, then your cereal will stay fresh for a little bit longer. And I said, well, how do we prove that? He said, take my word for it. And I said, no. That is not the point of this segment, as we saw yesterday. Yesterday, Carson was trying to prove that you can light linguini on fire. That was what he wanted you to know. I proved it. And he proved it. <sighs> I, lit a proved. Can- I lit a candle with angel hair pasta. Yes, he used angel hair pasta to light a candle. You can't l- strike the angel hair pasta on the matchbox. That'd be you, awesome, if though, you, wouldn't it? For whatever reason, have a candle where the wick is down a little bit further and you can't reach it with a match, you can use your angel hair pasta to replace that, get down in there. It's very unique. It requires you to not have a long lighter for whatever reason, but what it works is the point. We proved yesterday during Carson's a hack 
that this life hack works. We did not prove that last Tuesday with that cinnamon checks because there was no way to prove it. So what we agreed to do, it was John Proctor's idea, what we agreed to do was leave it sitting in the studio for a week and then come back. We all we tasted it last Tuesday. It was fresh. It was cereal you would eat. Now it's been sitting in here for seven days. And when Carson came in here last Wednesday, he realized the fold didn't work the way that... Have you been checking when you've been in here to make sure the fold is still good? Yeah, I've been looking at it. It's, right. It looks fine. Because he didn't like the fold the next day. <laughs> I, d- so I fixed it once. I, I did, fix, did it once. fix the fold. So I ask... Kindly, Zach, if you would pull down that box. Yeah, I'll, I'll grab this one for you. I'm not touching the banana. I don't blame you for that I'll at get all. The it's, I'll get it looks like there's battery acid coming out of the I bananas. I'm not touching th- that. I don't want to talk about it. So this is first on the list. This is the cinnamon checks. Now, how do you want to? Do you want to smell it first? I was just gonna smell it, and then I was gonna eat one dry, and then I'll pour a little bit in the bowl okay. with some right. skim milk. Are you gonna? Are, oh, you gonna are you gonna have us smell it to confirm? If you would like, the it freshness? smells great. All right. Cinnamony. You think it smells still? You think it smells still fresh, like cereal? Honestly, it does. And it does. mind you, this was also this cereal had been in my uh, cabinet or whatever. But you, right, you didn't it open it last Tuesday. <laughs> no, I, it had already been open for some right. time. Right, as, as we can see, you, like there's only a, and a you bit had folded of, it this way prior to that. Like it didn't just start last Tuesday. No, it started last Tuesday. Oh, it so did this, start this last Tuesday. This preserved the freshness. Oh, got it. It does still it smells pretty good. Pretty so we're going yeah. on probably it smells close like a churro. To, we're going on close to week number three of this box of cereal. So if this is still fresh, then like this definitely worked. All right. All right. Shouldn't you have another box that you folded the regular way and then compared the two? That would have made yeah, that, that would have yeah, made, <laughs> made a lot better. better. They call that a control Son group. Son of right? a bitch! Why didn't we think? It? Where were you last week? Uh, Thanks for man, nothing. I don't know. That would have been right. a deal. So I'm gonna take two of them out and eat them here. All right. So he brought milk and everything. He Skim really, milk only. He went all Skim in. Skim milk in. and the Rubbermaid cup. Yeah, that's, right. that's, that's <laughs> a decision. Went all in on this. Did you eat one already? No, I'm about to. All right, here we go. This is the first dry. You gotta eat it into the microphones. So we can hear. Yeah, okay. we need the crunch. <laughs> yeah. All right, ready. Into the mic. Right into the top of the microphone. Oh, I don't like that face. It's disturbing. I don't like that face though. Oh, it's great though. Okay. That's not the face you make when something's no, great. No, I was trying to chew with my mouth open. Oh, that way okay. you could hear the crunch. No, it's great. All right. I'll gla- I actually skipped breakfast because I knew I was going to eat cereal here. Oh, so right. Good. All right. So you can just enjoy your breakfast. Yeah. Cereal and a, and a you know nasty you banana. Know, you know what some people like to do? Some uh-huh. people like to put bananas in their cereal. That is a thing, though. I know, but I don't know if you want to put those bananas in that cereal. I'm going to cut up one of the pieces. No, not the whole banana, but I'll put a little bit of the banana in here. There's no way that banana is actually going to stay in your hand. Oh. Like It's just going to melt and slide yeah, right, right out of your all right. hand. If it's, are we, can we make an agreement? If this thing like is literally unedible, I'm not, I won't eat it. But if it looks, if it's edible, then I'll cut up a little bit, and I'll eat a bowl of cereal with bananas in it. I just don't like how... I, like Everything about that banana is disturbing to me. Everything we got to peel it, that, though. It's so gross. We you gotta, gotta you gotta peel it on camera. You got yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna get up. And I'm, I'm gonna, gonna let you grab it. this. If, if it looks edible, I'll take one of them that's edible. I'll cut up a couple little pieces of it and put it in my cereal. Right, not right. many though, because I don't eat bananas. Right. Why do you not eat bananas? I've what never, what eat, is I've is never eaten a banana in my life. You've like, never so eaten a banana. Weird. So you're actually about to, like I'm. I'm being so serious we right now with you, Glenn. You guys are about to see me eat my first banana. So what the what the moral of the story here is is that he's not going to know the difference. He won't know. So that's very true. So if it's awful, we can just tell him that's what it tastes like. I don't want to even look at it. That's the problem. Like that banana is giving me the creeps. They're supposed to be brown, Carson. All right, that's what it's supposed to look like. I know what I know. Black actually. It's supposed to be pitch black. Yeah. All right, he's going to go get that. Uh, John from Little Rock lets us know that the guitar riff is from Mississippi Fred McDowell and is then done by the Rolling Stones in You Gotta Move. I did not know that, so I learned something today. Dude, that is so nasty. I don't think this life hack works. 
Well, I, I don't. I, I'm, we're we're gonna find. Oh, there's like, four of them. I didn't. Well, one five of, the, of them. Jeez. One of the bananas still looks fine, but that can happen when you have a bunch. So the other hack from last week. All right, week. this one is not it. This one right here, dude. That is the grossest looking thing I've ever I, seen in my. Yeah, I, I'm not, and when, when I throw these out, I'm not throwing them out. In there, I'm that's, not. That's not 100 convinced that that banana is not going to start talking. Why to is me. there a hole? Like that, it, is, <laughs> it has come to life. There's a hole in the side. Like and it's, that's what I'm concerned yeah, about. Yeah, it's going to say if you, if, you help roll, if you roll it over, Carson. There's a hole. Me. Oh well, I, it just came right off the stem oh, without me even. Glenn, I, are you a banana guy? I or? eat bananas every day. You eat bananas it's every my day. Breakfast every morning is a banana. Okay. Wow. That's what I do. Here, I'm going to tilt the camera Actually, down. I don't for know how to peel a banana. So we can look at you these don't know bananas. how to peel a banana. Glenn, I've never eaten a banana. So you just get the skin. I mean, it's not it's not what? rocket science. <laughs> I've never eaten a banana before. Maybe if <laughs> Car- so you're going to start at the top right there where it's already peeled. Then you're going to just slide the so skin off i've got a feeling the that peel it's, i gotta i have normally an inkling it's this, not supposed to feel like no, this. normally the stem comes off with the banana right so you start you rip the stem and then the stem helps you peel the banana <laughs> i like watching him struggle i'm just gonna oh let that happen God. I, this actually you know oh. what that doesn't look that the bad inside of the banana looks okay it's that gonna side be side of it at least it's is. gonna be squishy oh oh i don't i okay I can do with a little bit of soft in my banana. What do we do with that right there? That actually looks... It, it doesn't look that bad. Oh, God. Oh, I couldn't... So, I, b- besides this one soldier right here, which we... Yeah, that, that guy! <laughs> that guy... Has been to hell. That guy has stories to This tell. guy might get up and walk out. That guy... Right that guy smoked for 37 <laughs> that's, years. That's black lung right there that he has. That banana... He lived has, on Big Mac's Coke and Marlboro Reds for 30 years. <laughs> That banana, you walk like that's when you go to your uncle's house and you're like, oh god! It's the pungent smell that's doing it for me. Over here, about three feet from my face. So that actually looks like edible. Inside, this side is kind of messy, but it doesn't. The the more I see of it, there's like some brown spots mixed through. So should I bite it? Ah! I don't know. You know what that banana looks like? It's like you don't know how uncomfortable this makes me. You you want this to be my As first a banana, banana guy? My first of all, you, you got to get it out of the rest of the skin. Like it's just still. All right. All right. You don't. You're not gonna eat peel. Yeah, you're not gonna eat the peel. I, oh, well, don't I was gonna. Know for a second I was gonna say my. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you're good now. You got the banana. So you don't even have to peel the other part. You're right. fine. Here we are. No. Mm. You got. Disgusting. The real problem is he doesn't know what a banana is supposed to taste like. So he can't compare what the problem might be with this banana, and I am not tasting it. I'm taking like the tiniest bite ever, by the way. I'm taking a small bite. Tiny bite. But I'll try it, though. I got to find a spot that looks like. It's so. No, I think you should eat the bruise spot. Yeah. God. All right. Right here looks pretty pure. Don't. You should hold it up in front of the camera before you eat it. If you can feel that it's soft, don't eat that part of the banana. It's hard. Okay. it's somewhat hard. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> how are you eating it like it's a taco? This man really has no idea how to eat a banana. <laughs> he held it up. I need a screenshot like of that. I don't like that at all. Do that again. You gotta put. You gotta. You gotta put your mouth around it. <laughs> Do that again. <laughs> you guys like that? No, no, no. Show me it how you ate that. Like we're, we're, shut up. Show me again how you ate that banana. <laughs> that he eats it like a corn on the cob. Yeah. Yeah. You That's just... the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's Glenn, should I take a taste? Could, this a is second. my first banana I would like ever. If you did. You would like if I took. I a would taste. like if you. So, dude, it wasn't that bad. It doesn't taste like anything. I don't. I don't know how. But you guys listen like that. to me. Uh, right, I know that go. you. Okay, go ahead, Zach. Let me. <laughs> it's not that bad. Uh, it tastes like banana. I mean, it's a little squishy. 
I'm gonna put it back over it here. Yeah, it, put the, you can keep that with me. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's what's on your hand. Yeah, what's on yeah, your hand. Yeah, it's I'm gonna have to go to the bathroom now. All right, we gotta stop. 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 You're trying to move on too quickly. Well, I was just gonna stop. Shut up. <laughs> It's one thing that you've never eaten a banana, which, again, is weird, and I think you should be on a no-fly list. Okay, fair. But it's second. Have you never seen another human being eat a banana? I have. I just didn't know there was, like, a way you had to do it. Oh. <laughs> You're like the banana police. There's one way! <laughs> the, banana <police. laughs> the, ban- the banana police. We're acting like there's a, a bunch of different options, like all sorts of different choices. Every human being throughout all time has eaten a banana the, one The dictator way. of the banana republic. Glenn. It's phallic! Buddy, it looks like you're taking down a penis. That's the way it looks. <laughs> the you, way I eat it? No. No, the way you eat it is like a creep. The rest of us eat it like normal penis-guzzling humans. <laughs> that's what I was trying to avoid. No, I, that's the point of but eating that's, a banana. That's, that's how you eat that's it. That's why Glenn eats them every morning. He just <laughs> wants, yes. he just wants just, the visual. I want that feeling in my yeah. life. Did you, I, I'm not, I'm not, this is a straight-shoot question. Did you really not know that? I mean, like I, I have you ever seen another human? No, being I've I've seen people eat a banana, but I, like I thought that was. Fine. I can't if you're not with us on video. If you're only with us on audio, I desperately beg <laughs> I you. I thought like to <laughs> go to Facebook and find the moment. Carson, <laughs> hold, hold up the banana with the little bite marks in front in front of the. This uh, is the weirdest thing. <laughs> Just, but I need to take, teeth, I but... need to get a picture of it. I okay. need you to replicate it one more time. All I right. understand that this isn't the real thing because it's. I just need people to understand that is straight shoot. How he consumed. I his thought okay. Well, if you ever have an like an apple, some people eat it sideways, some people eat it straight up. I thought it was one Zach, of those. He needs a job. I like he's he's a college student. Carson, ha- have you ever eaten any other fruit? Before? Oh, I love fruit. Oh, you love fruit. Oh, yeah. Pi- more berries. So what happened with you? With the non-eating bananas your entire life, like what, what happened just, to that? I never liked uh, how the the texture looked. I'm, well, I you're li- certainly not going to like the way that texture looks. I mean, yeah, that's no, quite a bit this, worse. This affirms one. it. I didn't. Okay. I like fr- uh, fruits that are like more firm. Like, oh, they are firm if you eat them ripe. I mean, oh, I see I, that. I didn't know. Yes, I thought they were always. A banana is good when, when they're green. They're great. That's I also, okay. you know what? You know, so you know what else? There's fruit a, there's salad a, bananas are nasty. Like well, when yes, they because they, they get soaked in with the other exactly. Juices and seeing that as a kid, I think kind of turned me off. Oh no! Oh, we need you. Need so much help. You need so much help. I there. Oh God. All right, you also have a lot of work to do on that cereal. Hang on. There's a, wait a second. We, I, I, there is so much that I have to cover here. <laughs> this is alarming what's occurred. <laughs> the, uh, my life has been altered this morning by this. We actually are dealing with a crisis in this country because you can't get green bananas anymore. Like ever since COVID, every time I go to the grocery store, it's nothing but yellow bananas. That's and true. I can only buy them three at a time. I did observe that when I bought them. those. And this, you, I thought you might be changing my life. Well, here's how we're going to fix this. Because even my banana hook isn't keeping my bananas ripe enough, uh, long enough. I, I am not convinced that this is a life hack. Uh, what I, I think see I, of Glenn, this I banana, changed your life. The, the real, just the real life hack yeah. is eating it like a corn on the cob. Yeah, That's I mean, the life all of this is. But that, <laughs> the, Matt, what if I brought in the little skewers? Exactly, you know, that you we put on the end of the corn. That the shape of that banana is like again. What day did we put these in here? Uh, this was last uh, Thursday. Uh, yes, it was. I believe it's Thursday. Yeah. Are you convinced that that banana is in any way bettered? By the fact that it had some plastic wrap around the top of it. Definitely not. Okay. Yeah. Definitely so not. We're not giving work. you a I can also tell you that if you put the skewer through it, it's fallen off immediately. Oh, like there is, there is no firmness to this banana. It right. just melts in your so mouth. So this one's going to be a miss. That's fine. This one's going to be I'll, a, a, I'll, uh, a miss. I'll wear that. And yet, but I changed your you life. You've never seen a guy eat a banana like that. I had never seen that, and I hope to never see it again. I am, I am concerned. 
I, look, I had always intended that when p- prospective employers started calling me, I was going to say nothing about wonderful things about my pal Carson Weekly. I was going to say, this guy, this guy interned for us and then came back and interned for us again and then came back and interned for us again. This guy is the hardest worker I've ever seen in my life. And now I'm not sure what to say. I'm not sure that I can with good conscience <laughs> encourage an American corporation to hire someone who eats a banana like a corn on the cob. When they ask what his strengths and weaknesses are, at least now you yeah, have right. a we, good answer. Well, he eats bananas a little. Because you always got to come up with like a weaknesses answer. Yeah, and like, you know these like uh, these mega corps these days that like provide breakfast for everybody. Like, right. Like here's the bagel wall and here's some fruit. Imagine what would happen if they, that corporation <laughs> they walked in and they saw yeah. like a little chipmunk. <laughs> this guy eating his banana. Oh, God. All right, you still have to put banana in your cereal. I hate the fact right now okay. that he has. I, so I, I couldn't. Well, let the, me try first. I like couldn't get the Zach up. name off the screen. So oh, a lot of people probably think it's me. You? So, oh, no. right, so on oh, the battle no. round on Saturday. Oh I'll, God, no! I might no. get. I might Make get it abundantly clear. Cereal's fine. It's fine. Yeah. All right, it's you're just good like with the just like a bowl of cereal. You think you've proven something with the cereal? Yeah, sure. You've definitely proven nothing with banana. You have proven only that you are. I'm not convinced that you're not going to attempt to eat our skin. Like Why don't that, you just like? No, you t- these. What did you just? <laughs> I just <laughs> took a scoop. I t- I'm taking a bite of banana. What cereal. is going on? <laughs> what do you want? What that was you, like that was like ice cream. That's what did you I mean, expect was, me to do? Take a slice of banana. I don't have a knife. You can, you can do cut, it without a knife. You could cut that with your finger. Yes, it's not a firm banana. It adds something. Oh I'll, God, it doesn't. Oh, no. It, it adds something. It adds nothing. Glenn, I think you have to try it now. No, not a chance in hell. If you I still don't like banana, hell. but, like, oh, I, it's all right. Well, Get a real banana I was going to say, you, you don't like this banana, but you might like a real banana. Jesus. This, might, this has ruined my summer. Like, my entire <laughs> summer is ruined by this. All the good vibes I had. Glenn's va- Glenn was happy for a vacation. Ah. Oh. Done. I don't even want to go on vacation now. Glenn's gonna be sitting on the bench at the putt putt place. Just oh man, like, <laughs> I'm gonna, you're, there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a day next week where I'm gonna be sitting on the beach, just with my head in my hands, and my wife's gonna be like, "What's going on?" I'm still thinking. I'm worried about, about this kid. <laughs> I left him banana. I left I him alone go, back in Maryland. I'm crawled into the depths of my mind, and it is going to terrify me for forever. <laughs> <sighs> this is um, this might be the worst thing we've ever done. I thought that couldn't get worse than the cheese sandwich. But watching you attempt to eat a banana. Just all of this is, none of this is. Oh. So how was the cheese sandwich, Glenn? How was it? I would rather be dead. <laughs> oh, that bad? I he threw up. Glenn threw I up. Oh, you actually threw up. For hours. So what day was the show? I'm, I'm going to go back. Thursday. Thursday. I saw the uh, I saw the tweets about it, but I didn't, I didn't catch the show. I, I think I, it was like right around the hour. Clearly that was It was like right around the hour and a half mark. Okay. Right around there. All right. I wasn't right for two days. Hmm. Two days. What kind and of cheese I, did you use? I, uh, Kraft Singles. Kraft Singles. Oh, Kraft which, Singles. Which, oh, by the way, that's... I will never again in my life be able to consume a plain Kraft Single. That I don't think I over ever have chosen to. I, in fact, my eat a on Kraft Saturday single. night we were camping with my uh, fa- my in laws, my father in law and his wife, and they were like, "Hey, we were planning." I swear to God, like they came to me like I was a patient. She, <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't like uh, his wife anymore. She comes to me. She's like, Glenn. Um, we were planning on on doing burgers for dinner tonight. I was like, oh, sound, sounds great. She's like, well, I, I, normally I would assume that you would want a cheeseburger. <laughs> and she looked at me. I'm like, oh. She said, yeah. And I said, well, is it a craft single? She's like, no, we we're going to use real cheese. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm back and bo- back on board. I don't know that I'll ever be able to put a craft single on a cheeseburger again. I don't know that ever again. In, I, I might not ever be able to consume craft singles again in my life. That's how bad of an experience this was. The worst experience. That one was bad. 
Oh, but that, that was terrifying. I, I, I think I'd rather eat the banana, like in full. I'd rather eat oh, that. Oh, a thousand percent. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, and I'm, I, I, I don't, I have no interest. You won't eat, you won't eat the one, will you? You won't do it. You won't I do it. I definitely won't. You won't do it. This thing's radioactive. I you don't. won't do it. At least get a bite. At least get a bite. Oh, oh, let's, oh God, let's, no, let's, no, <laughs> no, I don't want you to. Change my mind. Oh, go oh. look at that. Oh, I, that is not right. Stop <laughs> Let me see this, Carson. Don't know. Oh. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. Can All you right. hold that up? I, I just, oh, I want everyone to experience oh. what that banana it looks just like. Dripped. I don't know what it just oh, dripped on my hand, God. but it just, it was liquid. I, I feel queasy oh, after looking I at really, the like, This might make me puke. I got to go eat lunch. <laughs> that was gross. I got to go to my grandmother's <laughs> birthday lunch after this. This has been Carson's a hack, and maybe the final. You can time. get that. Uh, <laughs> you can get that lemon pepper, red pepper bisque. Yeah, red yeah, pepper bisque. It's red pepper bisque. It's, good. it's lovely. <laughs> with All right, with, well, the, with, the, with the Parmesan we'll, crust. We'll thing. come back in. Did you do a tidbit today, by chance? I did do a tidbit. Excellent. I'm going to ask you during the right. uh, the right. break if right. it's one that Griffin has done already. But okay. we'll see. All right, we'll do a tidbit and two, but to wrap it up, it is Glenn, oh, Glenn Clark Radio. Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one Gambler. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland. And driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource. Home to Easy Pass, pay by plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. Driveeasymd.com will keep you moving. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley Bob, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. Weekend starts on the 21st with our Bowie Pit Beef Night. Come on out and grab a bite. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with the Island Luau, a free Bay Sox Hawaiian shirt to the first 750 fans. And it closes on Sunday with Heroes Day. Bay Sox jerseys auctioned off to support local charities. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Costasin has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? The horrors of what has occurred here today will <laughs> echo through these walls for eternity. You know what's messed up? I walked out. Oh, I was getting play-by-play, by the way. Yeah, what was well, going on? Okay, for those that don't know, the gate was locked, so I reached my <laughs> hand in, and the side door of the dumpster was open. I tossed all the bananas Yeah, I just saw like, chuck it. It was like an eight-foot toss, and I just nailed it. So it had one of those dumpster holes, you yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Like on, on the, the side. side. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. I could only see the top. Yeah, so I reached oh. my hand in the gate and just went like all right. ski-ball style, and oh. it went in. But uh, I'm walking through the parking lot with a handful of bananas, <laughs> like... But like banana carnage though, you yeah, know, like not carnage. even bananas. And this lady walks like right by me, and just the whole time I could see her eyes were just the, on the, the eye of the banana. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like well, looking at her, looking at the banana. I was like, yeah, like I, I yeah. I'd imagine be- how she would have looked at you if she saw how you ate a banana, <laughs> or how I took a little bite with the spoon. God, you creep. He ate it like ice cream. Like he actually just dipped it the like spoon a in. When you just uh, John, for breakfast. John from Little Rock, yeah. what do you expect from an old Miss kid? That banana eating technique is terror. <laughs> I- <laughs> Telling you, I tagged the FBI. By the way, I tagged. I posted a picture and I tagged the FBI. I'm gonna get audited by the IRS. I, I need <laughs> by the end of the week. I need there to be a government investigation. <laughs> this is the most disturbing thing that's ever happened. Uh, Brian Powell, good week for people who like listening to you lose your mind. I'm telling you, it, I undersold <laughs> what just occurred in here. Between thank God we got on the camera. The I mean, shock, not. the shock of Carson eating a banana that way, and. <laughs> The sheer disgusting nature of that banana itself, I undersold. I could not appropriately reach the level of it. <laughs> God! Oh! What happened, what just occurred, is unspeakable. It is <laughs> it's unspeakable. unspeakable. It's oh. never leaving this room. No. <sighs> Except for the, you know, whoever. Yes, people whoever just right, saw it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Except for everyone. And, and share it out again later. It'll be up on uh, yeah, YouTube, correct. Facebook, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for everyone that just saw it. And Might we'll have see to it. isolate that video for forever. I'll never. That image of you eating that banana will never shake. I will. It was a core memory. I didn't know that I still created core memories. You're going to wake 40. up in the middle of the night. <gasps> what is that? What is he doing? <laughs> oh, all right. Tidbit of the day. It's brought to you today. <laughs> God, I don't know why they'd want to be associated with this. Uh, it's brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. 
where we have for you the best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sportsbooks here in the state of Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sportsbooks. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up today. All right, tidbit of the day. I don't know if you guys saw this, and I figured you might have covered it at some point, but... CBS Sports named Michael McCrary the greatest free agent signing in team history. So, Michael McCrary, obviously a prolific defender for the Ravens. Lot a lot of key part of a Super Bowl championship team. Yes. Um, Ten sack seasons. Ring of Honor member. Yes. Uh, you know, it's funny because I was put on the spot. Like, I, don't, I think when free agency started, I was on Cordell's show that night on 105.7 The Fan. Okay. And Cordell said, All right, Glenn, I want to know your best free agent signing in Ravens history. And I, I, I sat for a second, and I was like, you know, this is such a complicated question because the Ravens so truly did not participate in, like, free agency, free agency yeah. for a long time. Ultimately, the answer is probably Derek Mason. That's what I would like, have said. It, yeah. and I even, but I, it's the, the, the weird part about it is Mace never won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So I... I I would still say that's the answer, but if that I don't know who wrote the, whose opinion this was. I didn't see that. If their caveat was, we are weighing this over this because this person won a Super Bowl and this person didn't. I would at least be willing to listen to that argument. Okay. Well, as far as guys, like, I think Matt Burke can be higher on that list than you know a lot of people would from the outside recognize, right? Like Matt Burke. I think there's a number of guys, but Derek Mason sticks out to me. That, that's who he I He had the say. best career of a Ravens free agent sign. Yeah. And, and was I, I don't remember. Was Bolden the free agent signing no, or a trade? He was a trade. Trade. Okay. Two draft okay. picks for Bolden. Cuz I would have said that would have been up there too. If somebody that would bring up Steve signing. Smith, but it's the same problem. Steve Smith yeah. one wasn't as good as Derek Mason no. and then two never won a Super Bowl. So there's and no there's didn't no play argument in Baltimore as long as Derek. And was no. Rod Woodson a free agent signing? Um that sounds correct. I do think he was. We would have made a trade with them. I, 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 he was such. He was a free agent signing. It was such a short stint. Like I get, he won a Super Bowl, and so that's what makes it stand out. Yeah, but he was uh, such a mentor, though, to like you know yeah, the young guys on the defense. Yeah, it's not. It's not dismiss. I wouldn't dismiss it. If you're saying that the answer is Michael McCrary, then I would. You know, I would agree that there's there's no real tangible difference to me in whether it be McCrary or Rod Woodson. Like you're just saying, it's got to be somebody who won a Super Bowl. Go ahead. So, Ravens 10-sack seasons. Can you name every Raven to have a 10-sack season besides Michael McCrary? How many of them are there? There are six. Six total. Yes. After my, So, seven total, including McCrary. Six more? Well, see, guys did it in multiple seasons. Well, right, but I'm going to say six players besides Michael McCrary correct. had yes. at least one 10-sack Seven total. Season. Six after Michael right. McCrary. So, Suggs is the obvious. Suggs is the obvious one. Paul Kruger. Paul Kruger is not on Never, this list. I don't think he ever got to 10. Um, Judon. Judon did not, as far as this list goes. He never got to 10? I can check on that. I, I could have sworn The list may have been there. outdated and before Matt Judon came along, but I will check on that for you. Elvis Doomerville. Elvis Doomerville yeah. did it in 2014. Uh, Peter Boulware. Yeah, no. So Judon only did that in New England. He did not he do never that in got to 10 He in got to 9.5, but he never got oh, to 10. Okay. And sorry, who was your last guest? Uh, Boulware. Yes, Peter Boulware. Um, so three more to go, and I, I would say the three hardest ones. So, Trevor Price? Trevor Price, yes. Okay. I couldn't remember if he got the tenor. That one I never could have told you. Um, eh, I mean, Trevor Price was still really good when he got here. <coughs> now, then it got, they did the awkward bit with him where they were like trying to play the roster manipulation game with him, and he really pissed him off. And so he was like, I'm going to go play with Rex in New York. F you guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, um, 
Uh, Adelius had Adelius 10 sacks. Adelius Thomas had 10 sacks in a season, yes. And by the way, I believe Suggs did it like four times, three, oh, yeah. three times, plenty. But and then Justin Houston didn't quite get 10, did he? Nine and a half yeah. as well. God, this is this one. There's one last one. Yeah, one last one. Pernell McPhee. Not Pernell McPhee. It's a good guess, though. Uh, Zadarius didn't get 10. No. McPhee's high was seven and a half in 2014. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, Haloti never had a 10 sack season. So I'll be honest. This is a guy I was not aware of before I did this. But he played for 13 years in the NFL, played for a number of teams, and did it twice. Had two 10-sack seasons, but one of them was for Cleveland. Rob Burnett? Rob Burnett. Did it for the Ravens in 2000. So I'm not stunned that Rob Burnett had a 10-sack season just because it was at the time where they, they didn't, you know, like the Ravens were using a 4-3 defense, mm-hmm. so it wasn't all linebackers who were getting sacks at the time. But like with Boulware and McCrary on the same team, it's a little surprising that Burnett was able to. That's it, well, two thousand defense, I guess. Was yeah, I mean that defense was quite insane, heralded, right? yeah. But like when you are when you had two guys that were soaking up so many of the sacks, it's just it is wild that that uh, Burnett no also got there. No doubt. Yeah, I did not. I did not remember Burnett having a ten sack season. Admittedly, I did not remember that at all. All right, very good. That was a good one. Uh, Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. So you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise. Of course, Orioles-Dodgers game two tonight, 7 o'clock. It's on both Masson and on TBS. Um, I know Jeff Francoeur is involved with that broadcast. I'm not sure who's the play-by-play guy for that. But uh, Michael Grove, Tyler Wells, the pitching matchup for that one. Real shame that you wasted the favorable, like, Sheehan like just a shame. You had the opportunity before Arias pitches on Wednesday to have already locked up a series win. Yeah. That's a bummer. Masson two Nationals Cubs night at eight. MLB Network Yankees Angels at nine thirty. Uh, other stuff tonight. Uh, some WNBA Minnesota Lynx Atlanta Dream at seven on NBA TV. Connecticut Sun Phoenix Mercury at ten on CBS Sports Network. Also ESPN for a new episode of The Ultimate Fighter. Team McGregor versus Team Chandler at ten. The USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at eight. Non-sports is depressing. A uh, new episode, Deadliest Catch, on Discovery at 8. America's Got Talent at 8 on NBC. Yeah, it ain't good. It, it ain't. <laughs> it, it ain't good, man. It's And it's just going to get worse. Like, be prepared. It's going to be a long, dark period of time for television. Just the way it's going to be until these strikes end, man. Like, just be prepared. Enjoy it. Just start thinking about things that you haven't watched that you wanted to go back and watch because... You're not going to get much that's going to be worth watching, other than you know sports. Like you're going to have baseball, then you're going to have football. You're going to, but that's that's what you. Till the NFL scriptwriters take the. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> that's great. Take well, yeah, if, the, if they've got to go on strike, then what yeah. the hell are we doing, right? <laughs> it's going to be tough. All right, very good. Thanks today to uh, John Mioli. Thanks also to Max Wagner, as well as to Ray Rice. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the. It's a throwback to KO Archives. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Uh, I have no idea if we have anything lined up for tomorrow, so we'll find out together. Yay! Thanks to uh, uh, to everybody at PressBox. Thanks to all of our great sponsors and partners. Visit Baltimore, Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County, the Bowie Bay Sox, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, All-American Lacrosse, Birdland Sports, the Baltimore Orioles, Easy Pass MD, Washington County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. 
Thanks to Carson at Carson Ware is how you follow him with an I, but you might want to reconsider that decision after you see how he eats a banana. Thanks to uh, Zach. Remind me on social. It's uh, at Goodman 20 He'll be with us so. all week. Uh, thanks as well to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday night. Go Birds. Duke sucks.